This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter. Hello and welcome Dr. to Matt the Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Townsend Show. Woohoo! It's underway. Uh, now, uh, President-elect Trump, he's up and at him, and uh, people are in the streets. Not necessarily, I guess, expressing their will, not behind uh, the president-elect. I was listening to ABC News this morning, and they were saying, they had a quote, they had, you know, natural sound from these protests in L.A. and New York and some of the bigger cities. And one woman's like, we made a mistake. I'm like, (laughs) okay, it's too late. I mean, this, and then then you get the stories, like, from Brexit, if you remember. Yeah. Right. When Britain decided we're going to leave the EU, there was all these people saying we made a mistake. Right. But if you go back and look, it was like four people in this interview. But then that took on – that was like the stereotype for the entire country. Exactly. They're all questioning this decision. Well, they were – they're, they, they're still not now the questioning the legality of Brexit, what, a year later? Yeah. So th- this will go on. <laughs> this will go on forever. It's, it's the weirdest thing because – they have an argument. He's he's offended everyone in the world, from literally the Pope to, you know, the average female. Apparently, he's there's with. 59 million people that are cool with it. And, so. <laughs> and, and yet, and yet, they didn't win the majority, right? They didn't win. Yeah. Hillary Clinton won the she has popular like two hundred thousand more yeah. votes. Yeah. But I mean, that's you know, yeah, it's two hundred thousand. It's like one county. The Good job. Cr- but the crazy thing about it is, um, you know, eight years ago, four years ago. Half the country felt similarly. Yeah. He, I mean, he didn't have as negative of a history, President Obama, but people still felt like they didn't, they weren't heard. They're not being heard. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> but that doesn't stop the politicians for when they get up, they talk about how all oh. America wants this. Like, well, no, no, the fifty-nine million that voted, and for you they're wants calling this. it a mandate. They already have, yes, and yet <laughs> you didn't 200. win the popular vote. No. So that's remember that's what we said. In the past, but Hillary would, not a mandate. She would say the, the same thing if she won. Exactly. I have a mandate. This is what the people want. It's all politics. I have a mandate this weekend. You keep doing that. <laughs> have you ever been on a mandate? They're fun. Yeah, I think no. guys have this hang up with you going know, on a date with a bunch of men. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Nothing. 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 It's not what, what you why, call it. Why are you I'm giving just, me a weird no, look? I'm just, just going to be hang raking it. leaves this week. Me too. Hmm. Yeah. No time for mandates. <laughs> we got a, a fun show today. Um, uh, Enid Green Mickelson will be joining us, mm. who is a GOP insider, quite honestly. She was the chair of the 2016 Republican uh, Convention Rules Committee. I don't know if she you was, get more inside than that. She was at the podcast. Basically, when there was a big, there was a never Trump upheaval, push, never yeah. Trump push, and she's through Mike Lee and Ted Cruz kind of moment. She had to keep everyone on track. So we, we're going to have Enid on to to basically walk us through. Originally, when I was thinking of having Enid on, I thought it's we got to figure out how to put the GOP together. Yeah, because they're going to be in just a mess. Well, then Trump won. Times have changed, but at the same time, we talked about this yesterday a little bit. Yeah. They still have to put the party together. Well, it's still and the Dems, now the Dems have to put their party together. And the, the Republicans – so Donald Trump didn't blow up one party. He blew up two parties. He did. Like full on. He also in his uh, 
his, well, in his acceptance speech, he talked about how we're going to build roads, we're going to build yeah, infrastructure. Right. Nobody's wanted to do that. No. The only way you can do that and in the mass way that he's talking about would is it a public works progress, pro, uh, yeah, project? Sounds That's like it. Not a Republican idea. No, I know. See, but I think I think the, like the Republican traditional you know approach to the world has changed. I think Republicans are now Democrats. Democrats are now liberals. Okay. Maybe she can have a better we'll find way out. of explaining. Hey, I don't by know. By the way, I think he's thinking of uh, building something else. We're going to be talking about it later in the show. Yes. Oh, yes. It's hmm. a little heads up. It's about walls. It's about a wall. But I would say it's even more controversial than building a wall along the Mexican border. Uh-huh. There's other walls in play. And... Uh, we have we have an interesting interview with one of our with one of our or, uh, yeah an interview with one of our reporters Ron Brokaw. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently, if you own a wall building company, yeah, your stock price went through the roof. Oh, I bet you. We did. can talk about it. <laughs> Holy cow! Okay, so we'll get to all that fun with uh, Enid Green Mickelson in just a few minutes. It's also, by the way, Sesame Street Day. Hmm. Mm. This is. This is – does this not bring back memories as a child? Absolutely. Now it's on HBO, so. Is it really? Well, the new uh, episodes are on HBO, then like six months later they go to PBS. And apparently they're, wow. they're just filthy. You know, they can yeah. throw all no, sorts yeah, of language in there and now. nudity. No, no. Not the kid shows. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny, did, So did HBO – so th- that's interesting. Is that how they're financing – Sesame Street. That's right. What a neat thing for HBO to do. Remember when it was an evil thing when and when Mitt yeah. Romney was running that Big Bird and Sesame Street gets this much money? Well, yeah, from the federal government. Yeah. So I guess so. HBO bought them. I, or are they just there's partnering. A, there's with a production them? agreement. Okay, cool. So that's great. Yeah. See, but honestly, not a bad idea. Not everything has to be run through the government. No, but maybe they saw some writing on the wall. Yeah, maybe and got out of the way. <laughs> Well, I think there's a lot of people that ought to start looking for writing on the wall because in Philadelphia they were swastikas with Trump's name all over oh, them. So what do you know? Okay, it's the world we live in. The crazy times. Sesame Street Day. Let's celebrate it. By the way, 1969, November 10th was the first broad, original broadcast of Sesame Street. You were like 25. 69. I was. I had just been born. I oh. was like five months old, four months old. My mistake. Yeah. But thanks for the (laughs) – my hips were that old. My hips were 20. So we'll get to all that fun. But first, let's do the headlines with Sadie Nielsen. Sadie, what's going on around the rest of the country? Jen hit the streets Wednesday night to protest racist Donald Trump's presidential victory. Thousands gathered in New York City, Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston, and Portland chanting slogans like, No Trump, No KKK, No Racist USA. In New York, thousands marched to Trump Tower where demonstrators burned a flag. In Chicago, thousands gathered outside the Trump International Hotel. Demonstrators even gathered outside the U.S. Embassy in London, holding up posters that read, No no to racism, no to Trump. In U.S. cities, many protesters said they were anticipating racist policies and a spike in white nationalism after Trump's shocking win. Five people were reportedly shot in downtown Seattle on Wednesday night as an anti-Trump rally was underway. Two of the victims had life-threatening injuries and all five wounded were rushed to a hospital, authorities told local media. It's unclear if the shooting was tied to the protests, which began at the Westlake Mall before turning into a march throughout city streets. No further details were immediately available. 
Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said on Wednesday that Republicans would move quickly to repeal Obamacare after Donald Trump takes office now that the GOP has retained its majority. It's pretty high on our agenda, you know, McConnell said. I would be shocked if we didn't move forward and keep our commitment to the American people. There's no plan to replace health insurance for millions of people who will lose it. And finally... Hello? Um, According to the Civil Aviation Safety Authority of Australia, they are investigating a viral video involving a man using a drone to deliver a sausage. The official CASA YouTube account commented on a YouTube video which has since been removed, warning a potential fine of up to $9,000. Whoa. We are currently reviewing this video for compliance with Australia's aviation safety regulations, the comment read. Breaching these laws with illegal drone flights may attract fines ranging between $540 and $9,000. The video featured the drone flying to a local Bunnings hardware retailer to pick up a sausage, which it later (laughs) flew over to a residential area to deliver to a man in a hot tub. So apparently... (laughs) That's good living right there. That is a good life. The sausage was sold at a like Home Depot type place. Gross. Yeah, so he went and picked it up there and then flew it to his friend. And the problem with the video is they edited a bunch of different videos together because it flew in the video apparently for quite a while. So you go miles and miles, and you can't fly a drone. It's almost line of sight before it starts to kind of lose the signal. So the aviation people were really concerned because the distance that was covered by this drone, and the guy's like, no, 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 we just edited those together. Come on. Did you not see the jump cuts? So it was kind of a... I didn't know anybody bought the uh, little concessions there at the checkout stand at Home oh, Depot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're big sales. But they're like three times the I price. I didn't know they delivered. That was the thing that probably the bigger story is there's, you can buy sausages at the hardware store in the Australia. Big, so. The bigger story <laughs> is some guy sitting in a hot tub ordered it. <laughs> and they said they cleared the area. There was no nobody around. They made oh, it, you know. Man. So the video made it look like it was something it wasn't. And the uh, their FAA was very concerned. I think this is a good example to people that don't support Donald Trump that anything is possible if you believe and try hard enough. Yeah, you could have a sausage delivered. In a hot tub. In a hot tub. From a hardware store. If you believe. You've got to believe. Making America great. Mm. We deliver sausage. That is the problem. So many people, um, they're not going to take it. They're not – they don't like – they don't like the results. They don't like them. Right. So we had the protests last night and people were screaming all kinds of wonderful things. Yeah. Kind of a – like they, there was a, at one point they were saying not our president, right? Like, well, no, he is now. That's how. Well, it works. yeah, and he, but, well, he certainly will be. And I, I, I get the people the, and young people. Obviously, they're reacting and they're right. protesting in the streets. But uh, it just seems like little too little too late. Don't we remember when they made a big deal about Donald saying that he might not accept the results of the election? Mm-hmm. Seems like it's. Half the country doesn't accept the results of the election. Exactly. Huh. I saw this on uh, – There's a. Uh, I get an email from uh, – there's a TV show on CNN called Reliable Sources. Hmm. And they kind of analyze the media, looking at themselves and everyone else. And it says on uh, – they asked the question, did Wednesday's news coverage fully capture the fear that half the country's feeling? And it said, conversely, were there too many cameras at Wednesday night's anti-Trump protest and too few cameras in the communities where voters are feeling newfound hope and optimism? That is a great, great point. Because these same people felt like they've been ignored for eight years. Right. It didn't matter what they thought right. about all these decisions going on in the country. So they might be feeling hope and optimism, but 
there's no coverage of that because where is it? Do you go to the neighborhoods and knock on right. doors? And Do you remember when we had the border crisis where people were coming across the borders and pe- parents were sending their kids across the border? Yes. And it was chaos. And then I think an executive order supposedly took care of a lot of that. I didn't see a lot of cameras covering all the protests about that. Hmm. People were mad about that. Yeah. They're coming into the country. (sighs) What do you do? I don't know. And the reality is, too, Donald Trump may not be the best voice of any of these positions. No. Because he was so mean, aggressive. Intolerant. Speaking of Donald, he's going to be at the White House today. Yes. The president-elect will meet with the president and begin the transition process. I believe we have a cut yeah. of Obama talking about that. It is no secret that the president-elect and I have some pretty significant differences. But remember, eight years ago, President Bush and I had some pretty significant differences. But President Bush's team could not have been more professional or more gracious in making sure we had a smooth transition so that we could hit the ground running. And one thing you realize quickly in this job is that the presidency and the vice presidency uh, is bigger than any of us. So I have instructed my team to follow the example that President Bush's team set eight years ago and work as hard as we can to make sure that this is a successful transition for the president-elect. Because we are now all rooting for his success in uniting and leading the country. Mm. There were pranks between, I think, the Clinton yeah. campaign and the George Bush campaign where they took all the W's off the W's. all the computers and they stacked all the furniture in the center of rooms and that kind of thing. And when uh, when Bush uh, George W. transitioned to Obama, none of that happened. Not happening. It's like, just let it go. That's this cool. how it works. So. Well, and that's – look, I mean, honestly, Obama now in his gut probably can't stand him, no. Donald. But has to then be the leader now and make sure everybody – there is a transition and he is the new president. So that takes a, ta- that takes a ton of character. I, I think, think he's – yeah, he said something key there. You know, while everybody else is trying to figure out ways to destroy Donald Trump, he's saying let's root for him. Yeah. Well, and, well and that's coming out of his mouth. But yeah. when, you look at his, when you look at his staff yesterday in that uh, press conference, yeah. they couldn't have been more depressed. It's right. as if – They were bewildered. They had, it's as if the president's dog had just been hit by a Secret Service car. It's it was a sad but day there. That's the idea. We're supposed to vote and then this is the president yeah. and you move forward. But the problem is there's so much infighting beforehand that it becomes hard. to do. In fact, Hillary Clinton yesterday as well basically said the same thing. Our campaign was never about one person or even one election. It was about the country we love and about building an America that's hopeful, inclusive and big hearted. We have seen that our nation is more deeply divided than we thought. But I still believe in America, and I always will. And if you do, then we must accept this result and then look to the future. Donald Trump is going to be our president. We owe him an open mind and the chance to lead. Our constitutional democracy enshrines the peaceful transfer of power. And we don't just respect that. We cherish it. Mm. There you go. Now, those are the words, and everyone has the right to, I guess, go, you know, protest. And 
tomorrow we do it again. Tomorrow's another day. There's going to be a point where you're going to, I guess, not, not just have to accept it, but live, live a life. And uh, Donald Trump, by the way, did have a quote as well. There you go. He's going to love him. He's going to be great. It's, There's winning. It's all... Apparently winning is going to happen. So much winning that you might get tired of it, but then you realize yeah. you're winning and you're not tired of it anymore. This really is. So So Donald's character aside, some of Don, Donald's major issues aside, um, the gut feeling that half this country has right now of despair and yuck is exactly what the other half of the country felt at the beginning of Obama's term. Both of them. Both, yeah. <laughs> so, but it, it goes away. Like, you can, and then you can love these people eventually, not love them, but like them a lot. You can like some of their policies. But I think this also goes back to the fact that how you govern, you will see if somebody governs for the whole people versus for their constituency, because I'm not sure Obama's, some of his decisions or methods weren't for the whole. And I think that's why there's backlash for certain people in, in the country that don't feel like they were represented. And by the way, not even just by the president, but by their own representatives, by the GOP and by the Democrats. Everybody, I think, has been let down by – I mean that's why there's such a backlash. So, And I think that's why a, a Trump can get in. A Trump gets in because they, so many people didn't feel heard. And oh, here's the thing. We can't back roll over all of these other advancements we've made. We've made some seriously powerful advancements in recognizing the rights of all people. So let's not let's not slide back. And I think we need to do what uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash said. Yeah. If you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. That's great. Uh, don't call me honey, but that's great. That's great. That's it. And let's not slide back. You don't have to you don't have to become intolerant of people. We've made some great strides in the country over the last 10 years. Let's keep them up. We will take a break when we come back. We'll be speaking with Enid Green Mickelson about uh, the transition, the GOP and uh, get some insight as to what maybe the Democrats are going to be going through now. Stick with us. Matt Townsend show helping you through this crazy thing called life. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, after eight years, the Republicans, uh, and I don't even know if I would say that, I guess I could, the GOP have pulled off a victory. Uh, I mean, really, a lot of it is just an anomaly Donald Trump, um, backed, though, by uh, Reince Priebus and the GOP. And so we wanted to, to get a little insider view here of this, and we've asked Enid Green Mickelson to join us. She is... Um, she was on the RNC 2016 Rules Committee chair. She was the chair. She was at that magical moment. I think it was when Mike Lee and uh, were demanding. I think there was a demand of a roll call. She was she was involved in the convention. I think she actually was on the committee to decide uh, the site selection committee for the convention. But she's she knows she knows how this works. She's a past congresswoman um, from the state of Utah as well, and we're honored to have her on the show. Enid Green Mickelson, thanks for being here, Enid. I'm glad to be here, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. What went through your head 
uh, election eve. Can you be- can you believe what Donald Trump's pulled off? No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I can't. I mean, it it is astonishing, but his candidacy has been astonishing from the very beginning. Yeah, and and it. I, so I I'm one of those people that at the very beginning kept saying, not just at the very beginning for a while, I kept saying, oh no, he's never going to be the nominee. No. You know, I, I, I kept telling people, oh, this will fade. You know, just <laughs> don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. Yeah. And and he consistently um, overperformed in tapping into something that I, I would say that the establishment in both parties, in, in business and government, uh, had, had completely missed. Mm. And, and there are a lot of people in our country who, you know, weren't showing up at, at uh, Republican rallies or at Democrat rallies up until now and suddenly saw in Donald Trump somebody who gave them a voice that they felt they had been lacking. Mm. And, and these are people, a lot of them are people, if you look at the Rust Belt that hasn't gone, Demo- uh, hasn't gone Republican in decades, these are people who, who've lost jobs, who don't know how they're going to continue to support their family, who got their insurance premium notices oh, yeah. you know, just before the, the election. And it seemed to him because they, they weren't willing to tell their neighbors or their coworkers, I'm going to vote for Trump. Right. But they went out and did it anyway because they feel that the system is stacked against them. And, you know, as, as we look at some of the things that have gone on in the country, you know, sometimes I agree with them. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at what happened with Wells Fargo. Yeah. And, and no you one's know? even talking about it too much, but major fraud, 5,000 people right. fired and major, you know, investigation going on right now. Right. And, and the, the chairman having to leave, but I think he got something like a $23 million golden <sighs> On the way out. Yeah. And, you know, people look at this and they say, you know, look what happened with the meltdown, the economic meltdown in 2008. And all of these banks and, and financial institutions that that had been doing ridiculous loans. Yeah. And nobody, you know, yes, we, we saw a couple of companies fold up. Most of them popped, you know, were, were open again with government funds. And away we went. And so... I, I understand and to a certain degree agree with the people who say you know, that, that, that there has got to be a resurgence of, of the people in government looking out for citizens that have been forgotten for yeah. a very long time. Well, we, Bernie Sanders also succeeded in a similar vein, but mm-hmm. then was kind of pushed down by Clinton and I mean, but it didn't get rid of the pain. I mean, it was a pretty good sign that there was pain in the country. I don't right. think anybody believed how much pain. And, and it's also interesting when you just look at the map, right? So you've got basically Hollywood didn't deliver. The celebrities didn't deliver. The high-tech companies are against uh, are against this movement. Uh, the banking industry is against the movement. So the Upper East is, the, is against. I mean, the map itself shows that there's a major disconnect between – the pain of middle America and all the money makers. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so you have these groups of elites that 
I, I'm sure that nobody is more stunned uh, on on election night than these pockets of people Ugh. who who live in a very very different manner than you or I do. Yeah, and yet believe somehow that the rest of the country thought just the way they did. I mean, you see these people who are absolutely shell shocked that they're living in a country with so many people that, <laughs> yeah. that disagree with them because they really just didn't believe it existed. No, no. It's, is it, okay, so here's the thing, Enid, is this, because it doesn't seem like this was even the GOP to me, right? This seemed like the Trump OP. This seemed like the Trump party because he fought against the GOP. He fought against establishment. I mean, I'm sure they were working together behind the scenes, but even weeks ago they were they were at odds again. And what I wonder is is this is this a new GOP party? Will it form into a new GOP kind of take where we, we you know, we will support it's not so I mean, the, we'll get the rust belt and the GOP will start to own parts of the rust belt or is this an anomaly? No one knows yet. Okay. To be, you know, this, this, the closest thing that you can go back and look to in the past is, is this is in some ways the Reagan coalition right. in the 1980s, where you have the Reagan Democrats, as people refer to them, blue collar people, you know, who are, are very patriotic and love their country, but felt like they had been left behind. And they came out in, in great numbers to vote for Ronald Reagan. And which now we we forget now, but because we've moved away from it. But in some ways, that was considered an extraordinary upset. He was okay. running against an incumbent president. So, you know, it, it, I think both political parties are going to go through very difficult periods of soul searching and deciding who they are. And part of that on the Republican side is going to be what does Donald Trump really do as president in the first six months of his term? Hmm. Now, does he reach out to people? Does he um, does he get people who who perhaps criticized his candidacy and said, "I'm not going to support"? Him? I think particularly in defense uh, and foreign relations. Mm. And, yeah, because they talk about him having lists. Will he will he really have right. a list and start going after people? Oh. You know, I, I don't know that that's the case at all, and, yeah. and, and I'm not a Trump confidant. Right. But what I can tell you, you know, you asked an interesting thing about whether this was the party coordinating behind the scenes or not. Right. Um, I, it's been very interesting to watch kind of the public reaction to what Reince Priebus, the chairman of the RNC, has had to go through <laughs> and do, and, 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 you know, and with him the rest of that party structure. Um, Reince was very criticized early on, saying you should have told Donald Trump he had to get out. Right. You know why didn't you get more involved in that? Well, Reince kept saying that is not my job. And as you look at what the Democrats did, it was completely different. Mm. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was was rigging the system against Bernie Sanders, and she had to step down, and rightly so, in my view. Right. Now we find out that Donna Brazil, who's the interim chairman of the Democratic Party right now, leaked questions to Hillary ahead of her primary debates with Bernie Sanders. Right. So, you know, it, it, there are, so Ryan's kind of endured a lot of that criticism of you should have done more. You know, that people have said to him, you should have told some of those 17 candidates to get out. Well, 
who was going to listen to him? <laughs> True. You, know, you think Jeb Bush was going to listen to Ryan Scribus? Right. You're right. I'll right. <laughs> well, and, and by the way, Ryan's got a major shout out by Trump at the at his at his acceptance speech or whatever we call that. His well, and, and I think deservedly so. But but because here's here's kind of the what happened with the RNC after Trump got the nomination. Reince Priebus had looked at what the RNC had done right and wrong in previous years and said we were so far behind on data as opposed to what the Obama campaign had put together. Right. So he really he spent the last six years putting together an operation that whoever the candidate was, Reince could turn to them and say, okay, here's the, the data information that, that we can give you, voter information, we we had more people by by a magnitude of over a hundred percent that were already in place across the country, ready to go to work for whoever the candidate was. Mm. So so that infrastructure has never been in place before like that. Usually, when the candidate gets the nomination, the candidate already has their own people that they have built out their own operation. They've done their own fundraising operation. For example, when Mitt Romney got the nomination, the party took a giant step back Yeah. when he got the nomination, and Mitt put, had his own people running things. This time, there was no Trump campaign offer. Right, right. And, and so what happened was Reince ended up working very, very closely with Trump using what Reince had already built up and had planned to use on behalf of any candidate. Hmm. But this time it was far more important than it had been in the past because the candidate didn't have his own robust operation to turn to. Yeah. We've so got we've got a minute, Enid, before we have to take a break. I want you to tell me, does I mean, he not just won he didn't just win. He won the he's got the Senate, he's got Congress, yeah. he can now start basically directing decisions on the Supreme Courts. I mean it was a coup. It, it was. And and I think most Republicans will tell you that they were pretty resigned to, you know, we hoped to yeah. the Senate, but it would be 50-50 at best. Um, I, I think people thought we'd hold the House. But, but now you see, I mean, th- th- this is an opportunity and, and a potential curse oh, yeah. for the Republicans. In that, uh, and I kept saying all night, Tuesday night, anybody who would listen... I said, okay, if we don't deliver now, we're finished as a party. Oh, yeah. There will be no excuse for the Republicans to say, well, we couldn't get this done. I mean, this, this is government that, that we haven't seen in a long time, where you have one party in control of so much. And so now, I, you know, I look at my party and say, if we don't deliver and do these things that we have been talking about, and give people some relief and and get the country moving in a more positive direction, then I think the fractures that this has created may well erupt, and you could see a third party emerge from all this. Oh, yeah. Oh, how interesting. Man, Enid. Okay, stick with us. We'll take a break. Come back. We're, we're going to continue speaking with Enid Green-Mickelson, uh, who was the chair of the 2016 Republican National Convention Site Selection Committee and Republican Convention Rules Committee. She's a great uh, friend and a great, um, I think, insight into what's going on 
with the GOP party, but also politics in general. Interesting stuff. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us, Enid Green Mickelson. Uh, by the way, third female, first Republican woman ever elected to Congress from the state of Utah. She's on the phone with us. She was also the chair of the 2016 Republican Convention Rules Committee. And uh, whether she likes it or not, she's in the know. She is an insider, and she's we're picking her brain. Find out, really, what was going on behind the scenes with the GOP. Did any of this, was any of this understood and predicted this way. I mean, it seemed like a surprise to all of us. And she did answer earlier that it was pretty shocking to her as well. The win of Donald Trump. Um, Enid Green Mickelson, thanks for being with us. Glad to be here, Matt. Is that true? You were the third woman ever elected to Congress? From Utah. Oh, from Utah. I was like, what? Okay. (laughs) Tell me, because that, by the way, Enid, I thought that was a pretty cool moment myself. Um, Oh, you, you, you and I really wish you could get back into politics because you're a straight shooter. I mean, you are in politics behind thank the scenes, you. but I think you need to be in front of the curtain. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny, Matt, because uh, it's, it, the older I get, the more I think, you know, I want to be here with my kids and my That's grandkids. True. Yeah, and and you know, I I kind of made decisions along the way saying. You know that I mean, that that is. I know what that life is. When I met yeah. my husband, yeah. he said, "I'll be very support. You know, I'll support you in whatever you do." And he still says that, and I believe it. And he's wonderful about it. Yeah. And I looked at him. and I said, <laughs> "But you don't know what I know about." Oh, I bet. Is on families. Yeah. Oh, I'm and, sure. And I and I think for a lot of elected officials, once they get in and and you're in the race and you're going, you suddenly say, "Oh my gosh, this." so much harder than I thought, mm-hmm. thought it would be. And I'm not talking about the governing part. I love the governing part. Just the I'm lifestyle. about the campaigning. Yeah. And, yeah, and and if you're a, a federal official, the bouncing back and forth between Washington and Utah, I used to envy the people who lived right in that area with yeah. a congressman from Pennsylvania who was close enough to go home by train every night to go feed his horses. And, mm. and, and I thought, Wow, if you could do it that way, that's that's <laughs> not a bad a life. life. That's not uh, what where do you I live and where I choose to be? Yeah, so. no, I totally get it. And and so when you look at Donald Trump, who to me and this to me he seems like an opportunist. Um, he seems smart, incredibly smart, uh, marketing wise, media wise. But he, he it seems like he saw a hole and he went for it. Um, I'm not sure. I've never believed he would like love being the president in most of the things you have to do as president. But some things I could see he would eat up. I, maybe I'm wrong in all of this. How do you think he really will govern differently from how he ran? Well, I've never met the man. So so I'm only going on the basis of what friends that I trust have said. Yeah. And and. You know, I have a lot of faith in Reince Priebus's judgment. Um, Newt Gingrich, who it's funny in, in some ways, I just think, you know, what were you thinking, Newt? <laughs> yeah, really. In many things, is is one of the smartest people I have ever met. Hmm. 
And and most of them will say there is a different Donald Trump in private. Yeah, you hear that a lot. Is, yeah, than there is when you see him out on the campaign stuff. And I think we got a glimpse of him Tuesday night when he came out and gave his acceptance speech. Right. You know, most people were kind of going, really, is that him? <laughs> you know, what happened to him? Who got to him? I think that is also really him. And and I think that um, he's going to have to, to decide who he wants to be and how he wants to govern. I, I think the mantle of the presidency, when people assume that mantle and they start realizing what they're responsible for, there's a certain settling in process yeah. that 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 I hope will also happen with Donald Trump. I I do not think I, I absolutely do not believe that he's suddenly going to round up eleven million people who, who right. are here illegally and put them on buses and that's not going to happen. Um that there's certain things in his rhetoric, you know, and he talked about banning all Muslims. That's not going to happen. We right. we don't allow a religious test here. You know, what he inartfully said was, you know, we need to be vetting people better from certain areas of the world, not based on their religion, but based on their country of origin, and and figuring out a, a way to really vet people and know who's here. Right. And, and, you know, I don't think most, I don't think almost anybody would disagree with that. So there are a lot of things that, that he expressed in a way that, that a lot of us found offensive and unacceptable. But I don't think that's really how he ever intended to govern. So, so we're going to, you know, see what kind of people he picks as cabinet secretaries. Mm. Um, I have to to tell you that I was encouraged when he first came out with his list of, of Supreme Court nominees. Right, that was, and I think that was because that's really the only thing he ever dug down on and was very specific about. Right, and and I was one of the people. Oh, come on, let's. Why doesn't he go ahead and say these are the people that I would look at for cabinet secretaries? Mm. Although I was told there's some sort of legal impediment with that, but oh yeah, my my point simply being that that on something of substance that was very very critical in his candidacy, he did the right thing. He listened to people who knew what they were talking about. He came up with a list that, that virtually no one on the Republican side of the aisle could could object to. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it wasn't his sister. I mean, I'm glad his sister didn't make the list because that was a close call. <laughs> that sounds so, rude. Well, you know, I mean, everybody's kind of scratching their head to say, okay, what does he do next? Right. That unpredictability makes us a little bit concerned. And yet, Matt, that unpredictability, in some ways, if, if channeled correctly, mm. if he decides that, you know, he wants to be a great president, that unpredictability could work to his advantage. Oh, yeah. I mean, and imagine, because if he is a great negotiator and he does have a vision that's pretty clear of what he wants to do, he might, maybe he can pull out some amazing things, especially if, I guess, if he's carrying the House and the Senate. I mean, it seems like right. he, he could get a lot done. Uh, then, too, it has to trickle down to the people in the middle of the country, to the, right. to the average Joe. Right. They have to see an improvement in their lives, to, or, or they will turn on him and go to the next person right. who taps into that anger and frustration and disappointment and mistrust. So, so you know, these people will turn on a dime, I think, if they feel that, 
you know, Trump is not doing um, something to improve the economy, to, to not just, you know, for the people who inhabit Wall Street or the people in Hollywood. Right. They, they've got to see that, that the policies are aimed at helping middle America. Do you sense that he has changed campaigning as we know it going forward? Well, as I said, I have never met him, but but uh, people tell me, who've been around him tell me that that in a lot of ways he has, but that also in a lot of ways um, the serious side of Donald Trump. I mean, like Newt said, there are two Trumps. There's little Donald that you know gets himself in trouble, mm. and there's big Donald who, as I understand it. Uh, you know, he goes out and does these rallies, and then in between times, he's sitting, editing his speeches, and and looking at policy papers. And this is not simply some candidate who's been wound up that walks out on stage and reads from the teleprompter. He is very actively involved in crafting his own message, and and getting involved in in the policy aspects that he's now committing to. So, I you know, this is I think this is a very complicated man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with with a lot of flaws, but also with a lot of ability that, like I say, everyone kept underestimating him. And, mm. and here he came, and he was reading it correctly. Right. You know, he, he, this, this wasn't just somebody that, that, you know, stood up in front of a microphone. And he knew how to reach out to those crowds, oh. you know, whether we like it or not. Right. I mean, there, there was a real populist message there. That, that he knew how to deliver and that and people, a lot of people loved him for it. I mean, think about the wake of carnage behind him. He he took out Jeb Bush. He took out Hillary Clinton. He took out the two people that everybody, the dynasties, he right. shut them down. And some like almost caricature person that everybody makes fun of and yet – is successful in a lot of different ways. He did an end around around 17 GOP members or 16 and four uh, Democrats and just took the White House. Well, and when you talk about dynasties, I mean, you, you look at the network and the money, oh. excuse me, that both the Clinton and the Bushes commanded. Yeah. And it didn't do any good. By the um, way, Romney, too. He took out Romney. He yeah. took out the Pope. <laughs> For heaven's <laughs> sakes, you don't and take on the Pope. Yeah, and he still and he still got the Catholic vote. I mean, yeah. that is what's. It's almost. I guess that. It's, so it's maybe. Is it less about Donald Trump than it is about the fact that people were so hurting that anybody that would listen to them, they would follow. Yeah, I I think it's a unique combination. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm still yeah. a little hoarse from Tuesday night. All that uh, yelling at your, <laughs> at your people. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I, I, I won't say it could have been anybody, okay. but it was a unique combination of an, a very unusual candidate who broke all the rules. Oh, yeah. He didn't say, I'm going to run for president. Let me go out and, and saturate the airwaves like everybody else. He ran his own approach from the very beginning that that most of us thought would never be successful. So he had a unique approach um, and was already famous, that helped, Mm -hmm. was already seen as very incendiary, 
And so he got a lot of press attention. And somehow he was able to turn what would usually be negative press attention into a positive by looking at people and saying, see, they're against me too. Right. These people who don't listen to you, who don't reflect you, they're against me too. And and so he was able to, to convince people that this very flamboyant reality TV star billionaire um, playboy, at least past you know, things right. in his life, represented the heartland of America. Mm. How does he how does he bring everyone together? I guess is the what is the expectation and will he bring people together? Well, I, I think that's going to be very, very difficult. Um, it, it, you know, you look at what's been going on in these uh, demonstrations across the country since right. he won. These are people who who aren't saying, ooh, let's work together. You know, they're saying he shouldn't be president. Right. And, um, you know, and they keep degenerating into violence, which is a shame. I'm all for peaceful protest, you know, but once you start throwing a, a bottle at it, policeman's head or defacing someone's property. Now you've lost me. I'm not listening to your mm-hmm. message. Um, I think it's I think it's going to be difficult in that unfortunately we really degenerated into such trench warfare between the two major parties. And, and somebody somewhere is going to have to say, okay, enough. We're going to work together on something. And and I'm not sure what that will be. I'm not sure, um, it, you know, what what Trump can do to make that work. I think I think his first, you know, thirty excuse me, first ninety days are going to be very interesting to see kind of what pattern is set. And um, but you know, I think the public, both the the reaction to both Bernie Sanders and to Donald Trump is people are saying. We're sick of this. We're sick mm-hmm. of how it is. We're sick of seeing nothing happen. And you guys have got to, to do something different. I mean, the, the, the method they chose was to say, well, let's blow it up and start over again. Yeah, right. Um, and, and, but, you know, people are not – we can't have missed – I call this the primal scream election mm. cycle. Yeah. You know, the, the people, the people are screaming as loudly as they possibly could. This isn't working for us. We don't like it. Do something different. And you politicians, we don't like you. We don't trust you. You're not doing what you said you're going to do. Do something different. So we'll see if yeah. these politicians are listening or they think, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. Mm. You know, it's 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 historical, isn't it? Oh, it is. <laughs> I mean, he's been handed he's been handed an opportunity to really become something different and so different because if anyone can buck the trend, it'll be Donald Trump. If anyone can upset yeah. the systems of Congress and and of our of our government, it's going to be Donald Trump. It's just how will yeah, he upset he, it? Yeah, he did not get co opted by the Republican Party. Right. He went in and co opted. Yeah. The Republican Party, and and you know we're going to have to wait and see if this is a permanent realignment or if this was a one-off shock to the system. We just don't know yet. I think both major parties need to reflect on this. You know, I'm I am not happy with 
so many African Americans, so many Latinos in this country feeling like the Republican Party is their enemy. Right. Right. And you know, I don't they're not my enemy, I'm not their enemy, but they think my party doesn't care about them right. and, and actively works against them. And that's something that just because we've won this time isn't something that we can ignore. Right. And even just because Trump won more of that vote than uh, Romney doesn't mean we made progress necessarily. Well, and isn't that astonishing? Yeah. That, totally. <laughs> that Donald Trump did better with those groups. Talking than, against them. Yeah. But I guess it's it's Romney. it's part of that backlash, isn't it? And uh, Van Jones is calling it the white lash, but... Um, no, no, it's I, not. I think, I think no. yeah, it's pain. It's it's real pain, and I think it's obviously seemingly pain for for every ethnic group, every every group. Enid, uh, appreciate you so much. Keep up the great work, Enid Green Mickelson. We'll come back. We'll uh, we'll have her back. She's a great mind um, with some wonderful insight for all of us. Man, there's hope. There's hope, folks. We'll take a break. Be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Welcome back, friends. You know, um, again, as we see protesters and uh, this pain that's gone on post-election has been felt by half of the country every other cycle. And it's just rotating. Um, One of the great quotes by the Dalai Lama says, In the practice of tolerance, one's enemy is the best teacher. One's enemy is the best teacher. And so if you see Donald Trump as your enemy, recognize that he is he's actually inviting you to practice tolerance, even though I know it's hard because he seems intolerant. And the, the opposite is also true. Those that are enjoying and loving this um, election of Donald Trump, remember what it feels like to f- feel like nobody is listening. And instead of making your lists and just laughing at others, let's Let's try to bring people together by practicing tolerance. It's it's the best we can do, right? It's living up to our values as well. That's it. Hour number one. It's in the can. We'll be back next hour. More ideas, more information to help you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. The Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1 855 Chat BYU. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Hour number two of the program. Dr. Matt here. Your life coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. Man, everybody is waiting for Donald Trump to land. So that he can come and meet with President Obama at the White House. CNN is covering it live, apparently about 50 minutes or so before the great meeting. CNN leads the nation in static camera shots that show you nothing. <laughs> it shows you an airport tarmac. The Indonesian airplane that crashed a couple years ago, yeah. several years ago. There's so many live shots of just open sea <laughs> where they're just like out yeah. there, you know. Floating on a <laughs> boat. 
that's the deal. See, they know that people want visuals. Even if it's a static visual of a tarmac, people but, will watch it for hours. But how exciting can a business lunch be? Oh, it's essentially well, all it is. Well, I think this could get really exciting. I remember when Obama went to meet with President Bush, and that was just that was like tense. rapt attention. You're like, well, what's going to happen? Are they gonna, who's going to throw the first punch? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, it's apparently Mrs. Clinton will be meeting with Melania. They'll be able to talk about what we do with Barron. Obama, Mrs. Obama. Oh, Mrs. Who did yeah. I say? Clinton. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd that was be weird. a different administration. That would be totally weird. Um, yeah, with Mrs. Obama, and then they can figure out how to raise Barron in the big White House. I heard a uh, report this morning. Apparently, the hotel that uh, Hillary Clinton slept in yeah. the night of the election. So you have an advanced person that goes through and sets up all the hotel rooms for everybody. Right. Her hotel room directly across from Trump Tower. <laughs> so you lose, and then you get to listen to people that show up and celebrate outside his tower all night long. Well, and plus the sign Trump, Trump, Trump flashing in your does window. Does it flash like one no. of those? Okay. <laughs> sure it does. I'm sure he had something to do with that. He always does. But whoever, I think it's a vast right-wing travel they, conspiracy. And, you, you know, it might have been like, you know some young person motivated and working the, the, the campaign thinking that, well, we're going to put her over there. It'll be the yeah. kind of a big in-your-face as we get in our cars and head off to, you know, be the president. And, <sighs> oh, well. That She's going to lose her job. That one is. By the way, CNN had the largest audience election night. Did they? Yeah. 13 million primetime viewers, according to the, the ratings people. The number is up 43% from election night in 2012. Was it, is it John King? He's my hero. It's that. It's that it's video that board. board. It's People the video board. Uh, Fox News brought in 12 million viewers. MSNBC brought in 5.9 million viewers um, for the uh, what the broadcast networks. NBC had the largest audience at 11. ABC came in second place, and CBS with third. So interesting. I wonder if that, Netflix will come out with a new show, like a map watching show, because that's oh. essentially all it was. Yeah. They got 13 million viewers. No, but you got to have John, you know, zooming in, zooming out, going to every county. It was fascinating. Mm. I could watch him forever. It seems like he was the only one working. Well, Did you notice on the show? Like Wolf was trying to interrupt him with his yeah, notepad because right. he's over there making notes. Like, we need to go back to Virginia. No, we're talking about Florida. <laughs> what about what about Nebraska, my hometown? But in the end, when they'd shoot back and they'd go to the desk and be talking to all the other pundits, um, you'd see John King back there just working numbers, moving the board. Or or he's getting in, he's getting into the uh, the county around Detroit. Yeah. Where Michigan and Wisconsin was the story, and then and uh, you know you Wolf in there. We have a we have to declare what's happening in Colorado, and like, nobody cares. <laughs> Stay in Michigan. We all know where Colorado's going. So um, so all the chaos. We'll, we'll give you kind of the update. We'll let you know when we see on CNN's feed if the plane lands or not. We'll, we'll right. keep you up to date on that because you'll want to know that it did sort of take off, and they had the uh, fire trucks with the hoses oh, really? shooting. Yeah, so. Everyone's celebrating. So they're going to spray him as he lands? Yeah. No, they, you know, they, they do the celebratory firing of water that we all need in huh. droughts in the summer. The, That's fine. Don't think worry about this it. through. Donald Trump is going to look at his future home. Or latest acquisition or – He is flying he's to go check out. So this will be our room. This it can is where be, we'll be. It can be so awkward. Yeah. We're getting ready to move into a new home and the, you know. the, the owners are there right now. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of a strange transition. Oh, maybe they're going to do a home inspection. I did, I did that and the people – when I went to my house and the people told me about the – you know their history in the house. Yeah. You just don't understand what it's like to leave a house after so long. And, <laughs> 
It's like, could you get out by tomorrow? We got to get our couch in here. Can't you see Donald walking with his entourage and say, okay, I want to blow that wall out. I want to move. <laughs> There's not enough gold laminate. We don't in this need a green, room. a red, and a blue room. Let's, uh, blue's my favorite. Red, I like. Get rid of the green room. <laughs> Can't you see him just offending everybody? Um, we'll get to, we'll keep you updated on that. It's also, by the way, Sesame Street Day. Do not be denied. Today is the day that Sesame Street, November 10th, 1969, was originated and its first broadcast was held then. So that's a big deal. Got to celebrate it. I was raised by Big Bird and Bert and Ernie. Mm. They were my peeps. Is that where you learned to count? Did the count teach yes. you? Yes. Ah, ah. Every time I say a number, I have to laugh. Ah, ah, ah. Okay. All that fun ahead. Plus, we will be talking about uh, if you if you have a gifted child – Mm. Should you skip a grade? Should you help them skip grades? Should you move them forward one or two or three grades? Or is that detrimental? It's a big deal. If I had a gifted child, and I'm not saying that my children are they, not yours, gifted. I met your beautiful little uh, daughters. I would send them to Professor Xavier's um, school, university for future X-Men. Okay. They may, wow. they may gift it. Have you two been have... talking a lot off air? <laughs> well, I, I share his joy in this, but they have to have demonstrable powers, Jeff, not what, just be able to do math. Well. I'm just saying I think there may be some untapped potential there for my children to be able to levitate things, attract things, uh, yeah. you know, that are mm-hmm. metal. No! Okay, here's the deal, guys. Um, it was hard enough with one mega nerd on the show, mm. but if I'm going to have two mega nerds, then we're going to have to bring Sadie in earlier. Jeff might be dabbling. Hey, I, yeah, I'm He's not. A I'm not nerd. a true nerd. I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't seen the X Men movie or the Wolverine movie where he goes to Japan. That one's cool. I didn't see the new X Men Apocalypse. It's the Silver Samurai. Okay, I don't so. want to know all the nerdy shows you haven't seen. I don't want to know that. Jeez, what's happening to this show? See, the best part about comic book movies like Doctor Strange is all the trailers beforehand because there's all these other comic book movies coming out. Old Man Logan? It's going to be awesome. Nerd alert! Wasn't Old Man Logan the guy that wouldn't let you cross his lawn? No, it's Wolverine 3. He's he's old and And the song in the trailer is a Johnny Cash song. Uh I I hurt myself. I don't know if that's the name of the song, but I hurt myself. It's actually a Nine Inch Nails song, but that's different. To see if I still bleed, something like that. Just still violating rule number seven He's that we don't on the sing show. on the show. That actually kind of sounded like it. that. Totally did, <laughs> kind of a little bit of Johnny Cash. All right, let's uh, let's get out of this by going to someone that's not a nerd and completely stable. Um, Sadie Nielsen with the headlines. Sadie, what's going on around the rest of the country? Supreme Court Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg appeared to make her disgust with the Trump presidency known Wednesday. She wore her famous dissent collar on the bench, an accessory which she previously said, previously said she uses to issue dissenting opinions in court. No opinions were read in court Wednesday, leaving many to conclude the collar was a veiled dig at Donald Trump. Donald Trump may get his first intelligence briefing as early as today to be followed by a series of top secret briefings on covert CIA operations and intercepted communications of world leaders. While Trump has already attended two preliminary briefings, he wasn't given any highly sensitive information at that time. 
Senator Bernie Sanders said on Wednesday he is ready to work with Donald Trump under certain conditions. If Trump is serious about improving the lives of families in the United States, Sanders said he is prepared to work with Trump alongside other progressives. But to the degree that he pursues racist, sexist and anti-environment policies, we will vigorously oppose him. And finally, yes, here's a bizarre story for you. Good. New Mexico-based artist Justin Crow's business, Chronicle Cremation Designs, creates Ew. unique custom memorial objects like functional dinnerware out of human remains. <clears throat> what started out as a personal project following the death of a loved one has blossomed. You all right there, Matt? Yeah, I'm fine. <clears throat> Into a successful enterprise offering a variety of usable memorial products coated in a custom ash glaze. Crow creates bowls, mugs, vases, and even jewelry coated in this ash glaze, a.k.a. the remains of your loved one. Anything involving food where you use the word coated? Yeah, or glaze. There's a a knockoff uh, like a chicken, uh, what are they called, breading product called? Uh uh, Is it panko? No, it's called coat and bake. Ugh, coat and bake. Yeah. Are you talking about shake and bake? No, no, no. It's it's like an it's a it's the it's, step down version of shake and bake. I it's like a panko breadcrumb thing. Coat and bake. Yeah, it's that it's that concept, but the, yeah. the it's called coat and bake. Oh, oh is it like is it the Western family one? It, it's it's Kinda a like generic that? brand. Yeah, okay. so I try and bake. I try a Putin bake. Mm, sounds uh, Russian. I always hand it to my wife. This sounds edible. Coat and bake. <laughs> I think that you don't. What will the kids think? Like when you go get some donuts that are glazed mm. and you eat them or when you're eating something that's glazed with grandma's remains. You call them grandpa plates. Get the grandpa plates. It's a special night. We're eating on grandpa tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that is, so, that is so, so bad. Okay. I get, I get the idea that you want to keep the remains and you might want to like make it into some like a vase a or vase something? or like a hey an ornament yes for the tree yes. you, you know what they should call it they should call it remains of the day <gasps> that's ooh. oh that's kind of just um it's kind of a how about how about parent powder <laughs> no maybe not that's wow but that would be odd i don't know yeah. if i'd want to have my family member in my fine china <laughs> You just broke grandma. Like what happens when the kid breaks one of the yeah. – It's over. You just throw grandma away. You have more grandma in the other room. I think my grandpa is uh, sitting under our my old bed or in my old closet somewhere. Is he really? Yeah. His spirit or his ashes? His ashes. Yeah. I want – did I tell you? I want if, – if I – I don't know that I want to be cremated, but um, if I had to be, I would want my ashes spread – all day, every day, a little bit everywhere that, like, my wife goes. Hmm. I would just want my wife to empty it into, like, a pepper shaker so people could just <laughs> yeah. flavor their food with me. Wow. Isn't that kind of what this See, guy's no, talking this, about? This, this just went yeah. a weird place. I've already decided I want to be stuffed, so it's all good. But I want to be stuffed standing up Yeah, that in would, my speaker pose. That wouldn't be weird. Kind of like my finger guns pointing. Why don't you just get put into the Salt Lake City Wax Museum? Uh, we don't have one. Well, you'll be the first uh, attraction. <laughs> yeah. I'm huge. Okay, um, boy. 41 minutes away from Trump versus there's Obama. A, there's the a, throwdown. There's a countdown to a business lunch. Yes. It's going to be crazy. CNN is the king of countdowns. Hey, what would you guys uh, – you guys know what the going rate of what your tooth fairy pays your children when 
they leave a tooth under the pillow. I think he got a dollar. Yours got a dollar? Maybe he got like a Hot Wheels, the little cars. Yeah. Except they're a dollar. Man, your tooth fairy is a tightwad. Apparently. <laughs> How about you, Jeffrey? What does your tooth fairy pay your children? I never got more than a dollar. You did, but that was back in the day. My children are not getting more than a dollar. Okay. <laughs> in some parts of the UK, guess what the going rate is? Seven fifty a tooth. Really? $7.50. So that's uh, adjusted for inflation. Yeah, it used to be 50 cents to a buck, but even the adjusted for inflation, that's nowhere near uh, what these little folks are uh, thinking they deserve for their tooth. Do you know how hard it is to make a tooth? Mm. To produce it, to pull it? Do you know how much time just washing that, brushing that tooth? You only get two of your own. <laughs> that's right. The children of Northwest UK came uh, come out on top getting $7.50 which adds up to $149 for a full mouth of teeth. That's a bit much. They might as well get it, you know, get some diamonds on their teeth. But you know you what? Know? Maybe that's because in England they always make jokes about how bad their teeth are. It's because mm. they don't do the orthodontic work we do here in the States. Probably. So you're saying our teeth are more valuable yeah. than British teeth. Our baby teeth, not as valuable, but our adult teeth, we spend a lot of money on. Our, our tooth fairy sometimes forgets, mm. uh, or sometimes our tooth fairy doesn't have change. So our tooth fairy has been known to like throw down a fiver or a ten dollars, pack just of gum. Our tooth fairy didn't have change. Well, what if she threw down like a twenty? I'm just assuming tooth fairy is a she. Yeah, you throw down a twenty with a note saying, "Hey, I'll come back for the change tomorrow." Well, we we actually had once where the tooth fairy did throw down a twenty, mm. but it included it was a it was like a package plan where. They're prepaying for five teeth. Oh, mm. nice. I would even accept a coupon to Del Taco. I mean, I'm spending money, but a coupon, you know. <laughs> coupon. Four tacos for $2. Hey, that's not bad. You can get a little coupon action going there. Um, one of the things we wanted to hit and make sure of, um, a lot of people are worried about Trump and the and the wall. Right. Because he made such a big deal of the wall. He's putting a wall up. Mexico's paying for the wall. But uh, as some interesting new stuff, President-elect Donald Trump has a specific plan to unite America. And believe it or not, it involves another wall. No. So one wall divided us from Mexico. But there's another wall that, uh, that Donald Trump has proposed that we think um, may actually bring us together. This breaking news um, is going to be covered by our uh, investigator, investigative reporter, Ron Brokaw, distant, distant relative to, to Tom Brokaw, and he's reporting live from Washington, D.C. In his victory speech, President-elect Donald Trump said it is now time for America to come together and be unified. And now we're learning that in this call for unity, Trump is changing his tune on his controversial plan for immigration reform. Sources close to the American Corps of Engineers have informed us that the Corps is busy working on a new plan, one which focuses less on keeping immigrants out and more on keeping U.S. citizens in. In addition to the wall along the Mexican border, there will be a wall built along the Canadian border. This new plan will help enforce Trump's edict to unite America by preventing citizens from fleeing to the loving arms of our neighbors to the north. Now, the details are sparse at this time, but we are getting word that Trump will be meeting with the Army Corps of Engineers in January to discuss what type of walls these will be. 
We've been told that at the moment they seem to be leaning toward using steel. However, if that proves to be too costly, they will entertain other options, such as vinyl, aluminum, and even chain link. We'll release more details regarding what is being referred to as the Maple Wall Plan as they become available. Reporting live from Washington, D.C., I'm Ron Brokaw. Has your child come home complaining that school is boring? Maybe they're not being challenged, or maybe the teacher is covering subjects that they've already mastered. The American school system puts students in grades based on age. However, for some students, being the same uh, at the same age with the peers in their classrooms might not be the best option. Here to discuss her work as an expert in academic acceleration is Dr. Susan Asseline, and uh, we appreciate you so much being with us. This is, I, I think... We see more and more, it seems like, children being kind of advanced, also even some being held back for sports. So uh, we wanted to pick your brain on this. Dr. Asseline, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. This, what do you think? Is I mean, you've done a lot of research on this. Do we see more of this happening, of, of kids being um, um, skipping grades to move forward academically? Well, Uh, We know that there is a phenomenal amount of research that has taken place over the past 60 or 70 years that really emphasizes that the intervention of academic acceleration for students who are ready for it, uh, that means that they have the cognitive power to handle that, that um, they benefit tremendously. They benefit at that moment because they are more challenged and they're engaged in their learning, but those benefits stay with them throughout their academic career and into their professional lives throughout their lives. So the well-being for these students is enhanced. And and there are many reasons for that, but one of the main reasons is that they're actively engaged in learning. So that's really critical. In 2004, we put out uh, what would be considered a watershed report because of this disparity between what we know in terms of the research telling us about an intervention being highly successful and the lack of practice in schools. And there are many reasons for this, many myths. Um, And so we put out this watershed report called The Nation Deceived, and uh, we received a lot of of really just tremendous praise and also support for this report because it really addressed this issue. A couple, about a year and a half ago, then we put out an update to this. So going from a nation deceived to being informed and now a nation empowered. And so to get to the answer to your question, do we see more of this? Yes. Since the publication of A Nation Deceived, we do see more of this. However, there are still huge numbers of students who are ready for this, who are not being given the opportunity to consider academic acceleration in one of its 20 forms. Mm. I mean, the one size fits all, the one age is uniform to all. It doesn't apply. And I um, does I, I guess though you're you're bringing up the point that they they need to be gifted right they need to be advanced um, and skilled or or skipping a grade could be detrimental. Absolutely, and we have the tools for this. So we've had a tool for a hundred years known as an intelligence test, and it occurs in a variety of forms. You can have individualized intelligence tests, which are really the best, but there are also some superb 
group-administered tests like the cognitive abilities test. And those tests are really useful because they give you important information about the, the pace that a student is ready for. So a student who's accelerated is ready for a faster pace. The typical student, I mean, let, let's, uh, let me be clear. What happens in schools today in general for the typical student is amazing. Teachers are amazing. They have to do so much. So for the typical student, the typical curriculum is really fantastic. But for the percentage of students who need curriculum that is more advanced and presented at a faster pace, uh, they are not going to normally get that in the typical classroom unless you just have the most amazing teacher mm. in the world. Um, so we need to use tools that will help us figure out who's ready for more advanced curriculum at a faster pace. And we have lots of tools right at our fingertips. I like to say we don't need to just cross our fingers and hope yeah. that we're making a good decision. We've got tools right at our fingertips. What percentage of children um, would benefit from acceleration? Well, um, there are 20 different forms of acceleration. So um, when a lot of people talk about, uh, and, uh, you know, they talk about grade skipping, for example, that's a whole grade acceleration. There's just one form. Uh, I mean, that's just one of the 20 forms, but it is the one that most people tend to be most familiar with. How many kids would benefit from that? It really depends on the local school system and the opportunities that are available. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to hedge that a yeah, little yeah. bit because I don't want people running to their district saying, <laughs> Dr. Asseline said that 5% of the kids should benefit from this and we only accelerate, you know, one-tenth of 1%. That's, right. that's not what I want, but I want people to know that there are options out there. And the majority of students are going to benefit from, the majority of highly capable students are going to benefit from, as a minimum, some type of acceleration in particular content areas. If you have enough of those content areas that they're benefiting from, then they're probably ready to move on to the next grade. Mm. Talk about, you brought up that there's like 20 forms of gifted. G give us some insight into some of those. 20 forms of acceleration. Of acceleration, yeah. The, the number of forms of gifted, that's huge out there. Right. Um, the, there isn't really a strong federal definition for gifted education. There's a national organization, and there are broad ways of thinking about it, but there is no federal definition, and there's extremely limited federal funding. So... Um, I gave you the example of whole grade acceleration. Uh, it is not uncommon now. It's not used widely enough, but it is not uncommon for students to be accelerated in the area of mathematics. That is something that many districts are taking a very concerted effort to find those students who are ready for more challenge in math so that they can have uh, algebra at the very least by eighth grade because algebra, math is a huge gatekeeper and it's actually one of the ways if you can make algebra accessible to students in seventh or eighth grade who are ready for it, it's one way of really leveling the playing field mm. for those students who don't have access to it compared to those students who live in much larger districts who do have access to it. And, and that playing field needs to get leveled early on or these students start out at a disadvantage and then that disadvantage is just, it accumulates over their high school and college years um, and results in not only lower achievement but also lower aspirations. Mm. So um, that's really important. 
Advanced placement is another form of acceleration that can be applied to whole groups of students. And uh, what is advanced placement? Well, it's first-year college-level content that has been developed by the College Board, which is, you know, an extraordinarily well-respected organization. And there's a huge... uh, there's a huge mechanism in place that supports advanced placement coursework and the advanced placement tests. And uh, everybody knows what that means. A student who earns a certain score on an advanced placement test, everybody knows exactly what that means. So putting college coursework into high schools is one, is another way of making acceleration available. Now, of course, you don't get ready for college coursework in high school once you're in 10th or 11th grade. That has to happen well before, which is why I'm, you know, talking about what we need to do in terms of upper elementary, middle school grades. Mm. So those are just a couple yeah. of the forms. And it's funny because those are some that many people, you know, kind of know are out there. I mean, I, uh, I, I guess what – so if I saw my child excelling and, and accelerating – and some of this it seems like too would be parents that are that are also maybe successful or or, or – or kind of naturally gifted and skilled, maybe maybe they help recognize it earlier. Do teachers help recognize this? Should the parents be pushing it? Who, who, who's? I guess who is responsible in the end to to, to notice the the need to to accelerate the child. Well, it's a team, and as with any good team, sometimes you have people who are going to take the lead and others who will who will be part of that, and so it can go back and forth, and again, it really depends on the particular child and the district. So districts who have been proactive and have made sure that their educators have been informed about the variety of options that are available for highly capable students, it may well be that the teacher is the one who's leading that team and talking to parents about ways to make sure that their child is academically challenged, which is great. You know, that's really great when it comes from the teacher. But you will have situations where there are parents who are hearing when their child comes home from school, you know, what'd you do today? I'm I'm so frustrated, I'm just bored to tears. Mm. Well, then that parent is going to hopefully move forward and ask the teacher for ways that they can work together to find a way to keep the child the child systematically challenged. And, you know, the, there, there's really just, you can give it any name you want, but bottom line is, you're going, if you're giving them advanced material at an age that's younger than typical, you're providing them with academic acceleration. Hmm. And is it um, – it seems like some parents might be afraid of the impact of moving the child, you know. I mean, I, I guess skipping one grade is one thing, but even skipping two grades is could be common. Talk about your research and what you found about the actual impact. I, I always worry about it socially, whether you, do, whether you hold them back or you move them forward. Socially, they need to develop. But your research is pretty clear that it's positive. Right, and um, thank you for asking such perceptive questions because the questions are really good. It makes it easy for me to answer them. Uh, The social-emotional concerns that we should all be having about our children's development are absolutely totally legitimate. And it is, I think, uh, one of the myths that people have is that if you're good and you need to be accelerated, you need to be really careful because that may have a negative social impact on you. The the, uh, research that has been done 
is really unequivocal in terms of the fact that it not only benefits them psychologically, but also social emotionally. Mm. Now, that being said, it, uh, they're, they're not huge benefits, but they're not detrimental. And um, the fact that they're being challenged sometimes relieves, relieves some of the anxiety that they're feeling and, and lack of disengagement. Now, I want to have a caveat to this. If a student is struggling in terms of behavior or social-emotional issues, have them addressed. But don't expect that holding them back is going to fix that. Mm. Yeah. So have them addressed. Deal with the deal with the real issues. Don't use right. acceleration or holding back as a way to deal with the issue. Exactly. exactly. Ah, interesting. We joke about it in terms of um, you know height, for example. Uh, some of us, I happen to be vertically challenged. You know, <laughs> I, I would love to have a couple more inches on me, but I'm I'm pretty comfortable with where I am. But if I had been held back because of my height, I would still be in fifth grade. <laughs> True. I mean, that's the that's why we can't go by just some standard. Every child needs to be known, understood, and figured out individually, right? Right, and we have the tools to do that. Today, in this day and age, with technology, with the training that our teachers are able to get, with uh, opportunities for additional training through webinars, through radio shows and hosts who know how to ask the right kinds of questions, uh, and through material that are out there. Can I give a plug for yeah. Nation Empowered? You bet. For a, a Nation Empowered, evidence trumps the excuses holding back America's brightest students. You can get you, we have access uh, to the kind of information that can inform us and allow us to have our nation's brightest students move ahead. Do you see? Um, do you see a difference in? It seems like we live in a day and age where we're trying to get the advantage, the best advantage we can for our children. And in the sports world, I see a lot of parents that are probably overly involved. Um, trying to live vicariously through their child, giving them the best advantage. And interestingly, in sports, a lot of times you may want your kid to to hold back a year. If they're not developed physically enough, hold them back a year. It gives them advantages sometimes. Um, that, that's what I see parents arguing. But do it seems like intellectually, mentally accelerating a child, some of it might also be a parent that just is pushing could be. Uh, certainly that would be a concern that any astute teacher would want to really pay close attention to. Yeah. But I'm going to go back to what I said earlier is, you know, we have the mechanism to determine what students are ready for. Uh, we developed at the Bell and Blank Center a tool called the Iowa, well, that's because the Bell and Blank Center is at the University of Iowa in the state of Iowa, uh, called the Iowa Acceleration Scale, which is uh, a tool to guide educators and parents, a team, uh, to making the right decision about their students. And that tool includes the information about their general ability, their aptitude in specific content areas, and what have they already achieved. So you wouldn't put forth uh, a recommendation that a student would be a good candidate for academic acceleration if they hadn't already achieved and if you didn't have evidence that they were also going to be, that they would continue to perform academically at an excellent level. I mean, look look at what scouts are looking at in terms of students for um, for athletics. You know, right. you you don't 
you rely on the people who are experts in that area to reach down and try to figure out who's ready, who has the potential to succeed excellently in whatever domain we're talking about. Yeah. And, you, and, and there are there are safeguards. It's principals. It's uh, it's it's other it's academics. It's your teachers. It's the parents. Um, I think that's great. We'll take a break. More when we come back with Dr. Susan Asseline about uh, should your child skip grades if they're gifted? Uh, so far, the research shows it, it seems to be a pretty positive thing. We'll come back find out uh, more about how you how you go about doing it and um, some watchouts that you might want to pay attention to if you're thinking your children might be at that stage. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you become the best, see the best in the world. We'll be back. friends to the Matt Townsend show. Do you have a gifted child? I mean, a lot of parents think their kids are gifted, but uh, as we're learning from our guest today, Dr. Susan Asseline, at some point you, they got to show the signs, right? They, there's got to be real data that we use to, to know that it's time to accelerate and uh, maybe have them skip a grade. Um, Dr. Susan G. Asseline is the director of the University of Iowa Bellin Blank Center for Gifted Education and Talent Development. She earned her Ph.D. in education at the University of Iowa and is currently a professor of psychology there. And uh, we welcome you back, Dr. Asseline. Thanks for your insight. Thank you for inviting me. When we think about this, um, is does homeschooling impact this? I mean, I know a lot of people that their children are gifted, and so they've basically decided to homeschool and th- with the idea that they'll accelerate them themselves and then get them you know, into college earlier. It, does it matter if you, if you then take them home to school them versus sending them to schools to accelerate them? Well, the homeschool movement is actually a, uh, obviously a growing movement, and it is one option for parents who are not able to find what they need for their students uh, in in the typical local district. So that is certainly something that has been growing over the past decades. Um, and and certainly in the area of students who are highly capable. And uh, I don't know that it, there's really an impact. It, it is something that we see. And now because there are so many options available for students, uh, including entering college early, and there are a number of programs where students may enter college early, you will actually see that some of the students who enter college early are students who've been homeschooled. And the variety of individuals who are homeschooled, uh, certainly this happens in a variety of ways. Some are quote-unquote homeschooled, although they go to their local school for hmm. extras like music and art and, and gym. Some never set foot in their local school. So there are a variety of ways that homeschooling is implemented, and it's all connected with a, a particular state or local district. Hmm. Does, it, does it matter when I choose to skip a grade? It seems like it would be easier to do when they're younger versus, you know, older, uh, I was just thinking if I had to move one of my kids ahead a grade and my youngest is 11 and um, I have a 13-year-old and a 17-year-old and then those that are in college and I think they would kill me socially if I tried to put them in another grade. 
Well, actually, that is one of the critical items that uh, appears on the Iowa Acceleration Scale. We never recommend that a student is accelerated into the same grade as an older sibling. Mm. And we broadly define sibling because many families are blended now. So it does not have to be necessarily a biological sibling. It could be like a cousin who might be living with the family. Um, So there are enough issues and enough pressures on the dynamics of a family that that is something that we do not recommend. We absolutely do not recommend that you would accelerate a student into an older grade. So, Are, are the benefits the it. same if they do it at kindergarten versus at ninth grade? Well, so uh, as long as we're not talking about yeah. going into the same grade as a sibling, yeah, the advantage, so the advantage to accelerating at kindergarten is that then you're just part of the school system, mm-hmm. right? The disadvantage is they've only been on earth for like four years, <laughs> and if right. they haven't had a good preschool experience, we typically wouldn't recommend that. Uh, we would recommend that if they've had a good preschool experience and they're ready for it and they're demonstrating that they're, you know, close to really being in shape to to master the uh, quote unquote curriculum at kindergarten, like reading and and uh, knowing some math, some arithmetic, so that they're ready to learn to learn. Then certainly that would be something that would be recommended. But always we would recommend that they go through the decision making process that gets everybody on the same page in terms of the team, and that decision making process includes having the teacher who's going to be receiving. The student as well. That's hmm. really important. Yeah, that's a great idea because then there's, there has to be a match. Right. You have to. And so basically you can look at what the child's doing. And so there aren't very many four-year-olds who are reading, but there are some four-year-olds who are reading chapter books. So you actually really need to find a place where they're going to be able to be challenged. And if, as in most kindergarten classrooms, what you do is you start out learning the letters and you have somebody who's reading and reading well, then you need to find a way to keep that person challenged. Mm. Walk walk us through. So if I'm a parent, I'm seeing that one of my children is is gifted, um, or many children, or, many, or a couple of my children are gifted, but I can't I can't discern if they are bored, but I can't discern why they're bored, and I can't necessarily I'm not the best judge of of if they're bored from gifted or if they're bored from ADHD or something else. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me how I go about the process of making this decision, where I get the testing, how I do this. Well, uh, this is something that would depend upon the state and some of the local uh, districts or the well, sometimes they're called regional service centers for uh, schools. Sometimes they, they group together and they have a regional service center. Start always with the teacher always with the teacher. Go to the teacher. Let's look at the information that is currently available and how that information is being used to make decisions about the child's readiness to learn something new. If they're not learning something new every day, and they do have that right, uh, then work with the teacher to figure out how you can do this. If the teacher is amenable then to getting new information about this, then uh, work with the teacher in terms of what's available through the public school system 
Or if not, then there are ways that you can get information from a private psychologist that can be used to help people understand what the needs of the child are. That's great. Good stuff. So, um, uh, Susan, if we want to get a hold of you, if some of our listeners want to reach out, do they go to accelerationinstitute.org? Is that the best place to to start looking? That's the perfect place to start looking um, because we have portals for parents, for teachers, uh, for researchers. You can see stories. We have stories on there. You can access um, a variety of resources that are available, and it is absolutely the perfect place to start looking. Beautiful. Dr. Susan Astling, thank you so much for that uh, heads up, that insight. We're not all alike. And... uh, now, you know, it, it needs to be that we're reached at our level in our way if we want to advance and, and really become the best person we can be. Go check out the website at accelerationinstitute.org and uh, just get started there. Fun stuff. We'll take a break. Come back. When we come back, Caitlin Thomas is going to give us some ideas of how you can travel to, you know, to de-stress if you're struggling with the election. Maybe it's time to take a trip. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Amongst all the craziness and chaos we've been experiencing lately, I think it's time that we all take a nice little vacation. The holiday season is upon us, and there's no better time than fall to go and explore a new place. Caitlin Thomas is here with us this morning to give us some ideas of new places that we could travel. Hello, Caitlin. Good morning. How are you? Well, we've made it. We made it through the election. We made it. Some, in fact, we just found out that apparently... Donald Trump, as far as walls go, he doesn't he want he doesn't just want to, you know, divide us by building a wall on the south border. He also is going to unite us by building what he's calling, I think, the maple wall, which is a a barrier to keep Americans in the United States (laughs) and out of Canada and out of Canada, which will unify us. So isn't that great? This is all this talk about walls. You know what? What? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, don't. But my older brother kind of gave me this idea. So he went on a vacation with his wife a couple weekends ago. Yeah. And they went to Zions National Park here right. in Utah. But they went and they said, because normally they go in the summer. And so they went during the fall and they said it was the most beautiful, like they've ever seen it. Really? And yeah. it's it's beautiful red rock anyway. Right. And then it's got, the, you've got the leaves. So now you and have then, the autumn colors. Yeah. And then the, the weather was perfect. Anyways, he was mm. like, more people need to vacation in the fall. It, that When I went to Costa Rica, it was off season and it was it's not as crowded. Awesome. Right. Except and I think, it could have rained. We all deserve a vacation. I do too. I do too. So where should we go? So I, well, online, budget travel compiled a list and I just okay. named off a few of my favorites. Okay. So let's let's get ready. Let's plan our fall vacation. So the first spot is Vermont. Oh, because the leaves, I'm sure. Apparently, yeah, it's got the best fall foliage, and you can stay at this cute little inn called Eddington House mm. Inn, which is found in Beddington, Vermont. It's the Sounds, best place to stay if you want a cozy getaway. But I, I'm going to bet the leaves have already changed. So yeah, now you'll just so be raking go, leaves. Yeah, well, but you don't have to rake them because you don't own the property. You, you can could just, just go jump in them, yeah, to the little... <laughs> And then Raccoon comes the up. next place, of course, is New York City. Ah, oh, yeah. Right. My Just kids all want to go to New York. Apparently, it is beautiful in the fall time. I've never been there. Sadie's going there mm. for Thanksgiving. The smell of exhaust um, in the fall. But you're supposed to stay at the Wyndham New Yorker Hotel. Okay. 
And if you, they have a package deal through December 29th that includes free tickets to the Empire State Building. How cool is that? So there you go. Spend some time in yeah. the city when it's not so crowded because Christmas time it starts to pack right, up. Right, right, right. But uh, the third one, this was kind of interesting, Colorado. Mmm. I love Colorado. Colorado Springs, Garden of the Gods. You can't beat that place. Canada, yeah, Colorado, if if you're listening to that song. Canada is on our list. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. We're going to well, say that one. We could talk about Canada. A large percentage no, of people I'm, I'm say talking about Colorado, Canada. I've been there. Oh, right. That's a, that's a thing. Really? Is it really? No, it's a real I don't place. think so. But Colorado. Uh, Colorado. Apparently, you can take a ride on the Georgetown Loop Railroad that like goes through the mountains mm. and like, takes you on this big trip. and Sing songs. I don't know. Yeah, it's I'm cool. with you. But, but Canada is on my list. Okay. There we go. What part oh, of Canada? Canada? Well, apparently you can... Tremblant? I mean, it's already very popular. It's probably Tremblant. I mean, the immigration site for Canada shut down because so many Americans are trying totally, to access it. Totally. Well, just for fun. So, but for a vacation, Tremblant, Canada. Okay. You I'll, can cruise on the lake, ride the gondola. Nice. I want to ride the Nice. And you can sing the national anthem. Bam. So there's that. Okay. Tennessee. Love specifically place, Chattanooga. Yeah. Mm. Here it's like the best place to be Hiking, biking, and nature trails So if you're an outdoorsy person, that's the place to go And you can get on, this is so cute The Southern Bell River Boat <laughs> That'll give you dinner cruises Darling. Sunset cruises Or a 90 minute sightseeing cruise down the Tennessee River See, notice these are places that you don't always think of As, right, a, as major a vacation tourist spot. vacation. Um, West Virginia Been there Done that Wisconsin Wisconsin. And we had a lot of like yeah. controversy with that state, but it, apparently it's a good place to go in the fall for Squeaky vacation. Squeaky cheese. Cheese. Especially this place called Door County. It's the peninsula between Lake Michigan and Green Bay. Known for its lakes, art, cherries. But it seems like it's- And it, fall scenery. It would start getting cold right now in Wisconsin off of the lake. So you got to go, you got to hurry and go before, you know, <laughs> December hits. Last one. Yeah. Is California. Yeah. People don't go to California on vacation. Not for okay, but see most Says people when you think of California as a vacation, you think of what Los Angeles and Anaheim, Disneyland. Disneyland. They're they are recommending going to Mono County, California. It's in the eastern region. Mono. M O N O is that how you say it? I don't know. Yeah. 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 I don't know, right? I've never heard but it's of known for its beautiful evergreens, big leaf maples, Pacific dogwoods, black oaks, and other trees. I knew, a, I knew a guy that had mono. So there you go. I don't think it's that kind of mono. But. By the way, th- th- you could always go to San Francisco. You can go up north. California's got it all. Really. I've had a conversation yeah. mono e mono. <laughs> <laughs> so those are just a couple really? ideas. I don't know, Matt. What are some of your favorite vacations? Um, Costa spot? Rica, flat out. Flat out. You love right it? Right now. Hit Costa Rica. Costs a little to get there. Very affordable once you're there. And yeah, because it's the currency. Oh, it different. is. And then you go to what's called the taco bar. Oh, my gosh. In Jaco. See, everybody, it's Fish time. tacos. Quit vacationing in the summer. That's when we all go. Let's start vacationing in the fall. Garlic That's what shrimp. I'm calling for today. Let's do it. Let's do it. Fall vacation. We, we do need a family or a vacation or not a family trip. We need a team trip. Oh. Yeah, like a team building, uh, yeah. morale boosting. We can, get a, we can get a little bus here let's from go BYU. To, let's go to West Virginia. Ooh, that's on my list. It's for lovers, or Virginia's for lovers. Virginia's yeah. for lovers. So West Virginia. So if Virginia's for lovers. Is West Virginia for well, <laughs> press cousins? Cousins. Um, okay. Uh, which people joke about that. That's just 
Be nice. Anyways, Good plan stuff. a vacation. Do something to okay. relax and take your mind off the hate. We will take be your nice advice. Be nice to one another. Love each other. Let's let's be there for each other and let's travel. And by the way, that's about 10 places you can go to. That's awesome. Well done, Caitlin. We will take a break. That's hour number two of the program. Stick with us, the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, We are waiting for Donald Trump and I think Melania to arrive to visit with Mr. and Mrs. Obama. That's That's a big meeting. President-elect to president, we're going to see if uh, if Secret Service can keep it all, you know, friendly, courteous. Kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, reverend. Scout-worthy. We've um, got a fun day today, by the way. It's Sesame Street Day. This is the day. November 10th, 1969 was the original broadcast of Sesame Street. That's the first time, by the way, bathing and singing songs in the bathtub was popularized by characters, not Muppets. So we've got Bert and Ernie to blame for off-key singing in the shower. Yes, off-key singing. However, hygiene went off the chart. The kids liked being in the tub because they could sing Rubber Ducky. Now what about watching TV in the tub? I don't recommend it. That's when people started getting electrocuted. None of it can be tied to Sesame Street, though. It's also Area Code Day. Well, that's exciting. Area Codes first came into existence in the 1940s, and uh, now they're just all over the place. You can't make a call with an, uh, without an area code. You used to be able to just talk to Mabel and have her plug you into number 47. Was that your operator's name? Yeah, Mabel. Yeah. And I would just say, Mabel, and she'd say, Matthew, how are you? So she was like Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, but Mabel. How many times do I have to give you the number to Domino's Pizza, Matthew? <laughs> Domino's didn't exist back then in my world. Hmm. We would just have, you know, home-cooked meals. Happy Area Code Day. Um, So much to get into today. Uh, Heather Johnson will be joining us. She's a professor here at Brigham Young University and uh, also um, kind of, you know, helps us understand how to parent our children, make sure we set them up for success. She'll be speaking to us about helping our children deal with disappointment. You know, say they say they spent 18 months doing something that they didn't turn out the way they thought it would. This is good because I want to know how I can talk to my two-year-old and four-year-old about how Hillary Clinton didn't win, oh, and uh, that's we're going to have to live with Donald Trump. That's hard. The only thing my son knows is that Donald Trump is orange. <laughs> he told us that the other day. Where'd you learn that? Donald's not actually orange. Speaking of that, we just watched uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory last night. Okay. What you does know, that have to do with this? Oompa Loompas. And those, anytime when I was a kid, anytime the Oompa Loompas would come on the screen, I would run out of the room. They scared you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For me, it was the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. 
Mm. Ooh, that sounded like they were flying right there. So we will talk with Heather about disappointment in your children, how to help them, you know, be able to manage their disappointment, plus other wonderful headlines and news. Of of course, um, we will we, we got to tell you about one of the, the fun stories about uh, how China is dealing with anybody that drives with their high beams on. Some might say not healthy what they do to you. And uh, maybe there's better ways to discipline somebody. We'll get into that crazy story in a bit. But first, let's get to the headlines with Sadie Nielsen. Find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Sadie, what's up? Donald Trump and Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto already have a scheduled sit-down. Peña Nieto confirmed Wednesday that he has congratulated Trump on winning the U.S. presidential election and vowed to work with the president-elect in support of bilateral relations. I trust that Mexico and the United States will continue to strengthen their bonds of cooperation and mutual respect, the Mexican president tweeted. Senator Elizabeth Warren extended an olive branch to Donald Trump on Wednesday for the sake of the economy. In a statement to the Boston Globe, Warren, who has become a strong surrogate for Hillary Clinton during the election, was candid about the fact that she didn't want to see Donald Trump win yesterday, but she will respect this result. President-elect Trump promised to rebuild our economy for working people, and I offered to put aside our differences and work with him on the task, said Warren. Weeks after announcing that he would no longer defend Donald Trump or actively campaign for the then-Republican nominee, House Speaker Paul Ryan delivered an impassioned congratulations Wednesday to his party's candidate and the country's next president. This is the most incredible political feat I have ever seen in my lifetime, Ryan said, marveling at how Trump got a lot of Republicans elected down the ballot, helping the party maintain its majorities in the House and the Senate. Ryan vowed Trump would lead a unified Republican government, and Donald Trump heard a voice in this country that no one else heard. And finally... Yes? Remember that story I told you... uh, it was either a couple days or a couple weeks ago about the poor man who had a Kit Kat stolen out of his car. Yes. So apparently uh, Hershey heard about this story, <laughs> felt bad for this guy, and he's, they sent him 6,500 chocolate bars to make up for it. Holy cow. Kit Kat had actually contacted me and they sent a rep down from D.C. to come and fill my car with Kit Kats, 6,500 to be exact. Mm. They came to campus and I was passing out Kit Kats to students who came by and had heard the story. It was just a really great time to meet everybody on campus and to pass candy out to everyone. Uh, the thief is still unknown. But Jobbins is hoping to hand a Kit Kat to him, to them himself. Holy cow. Um, 6,500 Kit Kats piled up in your car. That is a lot of kitty catty. Yeah. Um, Did I ever tell you how recently I lost a lot of M&Ms? Did you really? Yeah, they were in my car and somebody just broke in and didn't take anything but my my M&Ms. Mars, Mars, are you listening? It was devastating. Are you listening? And... It was the peanut M&M's and it was the peanut butter M&M's. I had two. I had It all, probably I, was pretzel M&M's too, right? It was Those every form of M&M that you can have. Yeah. And I lost them all. Wow. It well, was, we're just going to have to write to Mars about that. I was about to give the M&M's to poor people. Uh-huh. And then they were taken and I didn't have enough money to go buy more. So. You're a good soul, Matt. Mm-hmm. Good heart. If somebody stole my crispy M&M's... It's going to get ugly. There would be H-E double hockey stick to pay. <laughs> wow, that's pretty intense. That's serious. Have you had a crispy M&M? Yes, yes, I have. It's, it's like a Kit Kat and an mm. M&M mixed together. Do they have uh, M&Ms with caramel in the middle yet? 
I think I just heard they, they do. They might. I think they they just, will be released soon. They just yes. had their scientists figure out how to con- keep the consistency of the caramel yes. where they want it I, and wrap it in a candy shell. Just so you Excellent. know, because I had all forms of M&Ms. I even had the caramel ones, even though they hadn't been released yet. Hmm. Wow. I'm, just, I'm thinking that was maybe just a really old M&M that you found that under the seat of your car. That had encrusted. <laughs> An encrusted milk dud. It's, um, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I think, you know, it's good publicity for how, Mars. How could they not get to caramel M&Ms before they got to chili nut, honey nut, and coffee nut? Pardon? Yeah, exactly. It's because caramel, once it starts melting, it's it's a mess. And that car, that that shell, it, it melts in your mouth. Does it? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands, except the caramel one was melting in everybody's hand. Oh, uh, I see. In this, in, in, yeah. Thank you, Sadie. Well done. Well, um, so Donald Trump uh, apparently is late, 14 minutes late. Well, as you said, he was probably fixing his hair after the getting out of the plane. He or landed... Because it says that the the the, the uh, headline on the TV we're watching says they are meeting. Oh well, I thought they'd have him walk in and show the picture of him walking in with the big hug moment, and I haven't seen that. The hug, you, a hug. What are you talking about? There's always the greeting of "Hi, welcome to my house." Yeah, just a good handshake, right? Yeah, I didn't see that happen. Did you um, see the car pull up? Maybe, and- maybe it was something they did inside. Should you guys really be watching TV while you're working? It makes for great radio when people mm-hmm. are narrating what they're watching on a TV. Mm-hmm. We're watching people looking at a White House. Um, great point. Let's get to work. Here's a crazy uh, story out of China. If you, if you plan to drive with your high beams on, be careful, folks. Police in southern China are punishing drivers who dazzle other road users with full beam headlights by making them stare into the lights for a minute. Police posted photos of the campaign in action social media accounts. Today, we are carrying out punishments using a high beam. The post reads, so if you're driving down the road and some people there have like, I guess they have a lot of additional lights on their cars. So then if you are driving with those lights to blind other people, then the cops will pull you over and they will make you stand in front of the high beam for 60 seconds and stare I, at I it. I feel like it's happening to me right now. I know. These See lights in I the moved? studio. Okay, 60 no seconds, go. <laughs> it burns. That's just cruel. The reaction, They'll never use their high beams again. The, but oh. the police say the reaction has been largely positive. Several other local police forces gave uh, gave it a thumbs up on their social two, media two account. Two thumbs up. <laughs> uh, the sad thing is it's it seems like it would blind you. Just, if you stare just temporarily. At a light. You may get some dots or something. You're fine. I mean, you yeah. only have two eyes. Vision will return. Your optic nerves will not be fried. And people are complaining about America and their police. Come on. Do you ever use your bright lights to Every inform somebody that maybe they're going too slow or yes. they need to get out of your way? And then have you ever like had somebody that then really turned on their brights and it's like... Yeah, the truck that gets right up on your bumper. Those guys drive me batty. If only we were in China. So be careful. You don't want to lose your eyesight. Uh, Watch out if you live in Tampa, Florida. Watch out for a tutu-wearing man. Detectives are searching for two men who burglarized the Tampa Farmer's Market early Tuesday morning. Oh, I didn't know we'd be going to the ballet today. (laughs) 
The sheriff's office believes one of the men may still have been dressed for Halloween as he was wearing a tutu, a wig, and possibly a cheerleading costume. Well, someone was decked out. The second man was wearing a hoodie with the image of an owl on the front. Deputies Mm. say around 1 a.m., the men broke the glass door to the farmer's market. And, uh, you know, once they got inside, the two men went crazy eating fruit and drinking soda. So it was either, uh, like you said, a a delayed Halloween celebration or the nerdiest uh, theft in the world. Yeah, maybe is there a superhero that dresses like with a tutu, cheerleading outfit, and a wig? The Toxic Avenger, I believe, wears a tutu. Wow. All right, trust me, we're going to knock off the farmer's market and it's going to be great. Bring your tutu. That is A, that is crazy. B, it is completely strange that Terry actually pulled a superhero out that wears Sorry. a tutu. <laughs> the Toxic Avenger, look him up. You, I'm not looking him up. Why not? You look him up. He, he wears a tutu. He, he looks like Sloth with yeah. a mop. Yeah. Sloth, Sloth from, from Goonies. the Goonies. Yeah. Um, you just went nerd on me again. No, I'm, that's just in a movie. Alert nerd. And it's right. He has kind of a face that's kind of wigged out a little By bit. By the way, have you ever seen a real sloth? Nope, just the one uh, on Goonies. I have. Or Zootopia. Costa Rica. Oh, correct. He was at the DMV. <laughs> that was such a great scene. Because it just fits. By the way. Yeah. Apparently, if you're in the wall building business, uh-huh. it's good time. Good time. Good, good money. Times. Good times. Good money. Good money in the wall building Shares business. in the Israeli firm Magal Security Systems, which helped build the wall around Gaza and many other barriers around the world, jumped around 6% Wednesday in the wake of Donald Trump's surprise election victory. Trump has promised to build a wall along the border with Mexico make them pay for it and all that kind of stuff. We'll see if that actually comes to mm. fruition. I saw that... If the House goes ahead and puts uh, some documents, some bills together and puts it on Trump's desk, will he sign it? Is this still something mm. that he – is it? Is it more of a thought? Is it more of a, a call to action to, to fix immigration or mm. are we going to have a physical wall? And if, yeah. if there's people in Congress that want a wall, sure. are they going to force Trump's hand? Because if he goes to the – you know, signs something and then decides he's not going to build a wall, does he – is that backing up on his campaign promises? These are some – that's, questions. Ooh, that's Maybe good. he'll use the, uh, those guys for the maple wall, too. So yeah, the, that's maple going up. wall's a great idea. The guy in charge of this uh, Magal security systems in Israel says the border business was down, but then came ISIS and the Syrian conflict. The world is changing. Borders are coming back big time. Big time borders. He says they're up. Half uh, price. Corrections Corporation of America is up 43%, possibly because investors believe Trump will scrap Obama's plan to phase out private federal prisons. Gun shares, however, were down, which analysts say is because Trump isn't expected to tighten any sort of gun laws, so people yeah. are okay with that. I heard that Trump wants to do um, go to Guantanamo and actually make it into a resort, a terrorist mm. resort. Interesting. It's a brilliant idea. The Trump Guantanamo Resort. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's just one of his great resorts with a you know a five star golf course, Mar-a-Lago South, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> And then you just it's but you just only market to terrorists, and then they go ah. down there, hang out. Hey, hey, terrorists have, have to heard vacation of Guantanamo too. Bay. It's stressful being a terrorist nowadays. It's, it's Everyone's very trying to get you. Difficult lately. Um, we have got to get uh, take a break and have Heather Johnson come join us. She's going to talk to us about helping our children deal with disappointment. So much to talk about. I mean, disappointment's part of life, right? But it never goes away. 
it's going to be here for all of us. And maybe some of that will help us as parents deal with disappointment, too. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. Welcome back, friends. This music means Heather Ann Johnson's joining us. Hadge, we call her. She is um, a good friend of the show and a professor here at Brigham Young University where she teaches classes um, on how to keep your families active, how how to build a successful family. And she also has a wonderful website. If you go to familyvolley.com, it is the place to be. She wrote the book Family Fun Fridays and soon will be releasing books Family Fun Monday through Sunday. Uh, skipping Friday because we've already got that back. Yeah, we're already there. You're already there. We already did that. How are you, Heather? Good to have you here. It's good to be here. Thanks. Um, today, you're bringing up a very important issue, helping our children deal with disappointment. Yes, that's what we're talking about. A lot about. of them seem – a lot of people today – I know. – need some help getting through some disappointing times. It's true. And it's kind of interesting because when we look at this – You know, if we can't help our kids learn these skills when they're young, then we run into adults who don't know how to deal with disappointment. That's right. And we kind of see that right now. We're filled with it. Our our country's, you know, being laden with a lot of turmoil. And not just that, but a lot of adults who aren't quite sure how to channel, take care of, deal with being disappointed. Yeah. And so so we really have to learn those skills. And as parents, there's kind of two parts. There's this part where we have to teach them these skills so they have these skills long term. But then there's also in the moment, what do we do? Like Mm -hmm. when all of a sudden the kid, you know, fails the test or didn't get the part or didn't score the goal or law, what do we do? And that gets really tricky. But if we can focus on the need to help our children become responsible adults, we'll realize this is terribly valuable because disappointment never stops coming. Different forms, right? Sometimes it's little. Sometimes it's big, monumental. But unfortunately, until we die, there will be disappointment. It's not <laughs> There will going be disappointment. Away. It's not. And, and it's actually – it's essential. It, I mean we always think of it as bad. Right. But it's but not. It's not – it really is incredibly helpful. Absolutely. Because it has everybody looking – again, and I always look at it like a – this is a major pivot point even in the country – because, you know, half of the country felt this five or eight years ago, four years ago. The other half is now feeling it today. Right. And um, if if we could just learn, we could change. We could change this whole thing so we don't have to always hate the opposition. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. learn, you know, learn to deal with it. The, the stress and the turmoil that it brings us when we're unable to handle disappointment – really has long-term effects, right? right. That, that just continues to funnel into other areas of our lives. So we're going to start with our kids. We're going to start when they're very young. You know, kids taking temper tantrums in the store, they're disappointed. They wanted the candy. They didn't get it. And so they act out, right? It's unfortunately very similar to how adults right. sometimes right. act out. And so we want to start very young by teaching them these things, recognizing that the benefits of disappointment and learning to deal with it are huge. Our ability to compromise, our ability to work with others, our ability to ve- to develop those coping and social skills that we need. This is really important. Did you ever wake up Christmas morning and you didn't have what you wanted and you were disappointed? Sure. I'm sure we all have. So, I mean, that's like the first time I felt disappointment. Like, what? What in the world? That that was not on my list. What is Santa's deal? But it's it's so cool because I, I look at it 
And so how do I how do I teach my kid? Where do we begin to teach them instead of just giving them the lecture like this is right. you wait. What do which, you do? Which we tend to do, yeah. right? Which we can get to kind of as we move through this. But the first thing we need to do is we've got to teach them that there are things we can control and there's things we can't control. There are some things that are out of our power. They just are. And so the need to lose emotion, sleep, stress, throw temper tantrums about things we can no longer control are a waste of our energy and effort. Mm. And so we want them to understand that there are a difference. Things, some things you can change. Let's change them. Some things you can't. We've got to let those things go. Yeah, but go. mommy, you could buy me that right. thing. <laughs> right. You can change it. Just open your wallet, mom. It's true. And so when that happens, our response needs to be very clear. We look at our children and we acknowledge and say, I know you feel upset. Yeah. I know you feel disappointed. And then the next step you're going to take is you're going to ask them what they think can be done as a solution. Now, we're going to repeat this a couple times today as we chat, but it's really important that we always turn this back to our kids and ask them what could be done. What is a more effective solution to this problem? Because in order to learn to deal with disappointment, we have to recognize that there is not just one single mm. path. Yeah. There are other options. And the sooner we can get our children to recognize that there are other options in front of them, the sooner they can step back and say, okay, option A didn't work. It was my preference, not my favorite that I've got to go to B and C, but there but are – can. And there are other options. Mm. Let's explore those. So we've got to separate the can, can be changed from the cannot. The next thing we've got to understand is we need to be our children's guide and not their savior. Right. It is not our job to step in and save them from every last disappointment that will face them. In fact, doing that is a huge disservice to our children. We've got to let them experience the ups and the downs so they learn to manage their setbacks. Now, the the solution, if we're looking for, you know, for lack of a better word to this, is really back to asking questions. It's going back to them and saying, what's something that we can do instead? Yeah. Or what other ideas do you have concerning this situation? Or... What can we do next? Ask them. Allow them again to look for ways to solve their own problems. It seems like every time you ask them, you end up putting the focus back on them. Like part of the key to being able to adapt and deal with life is it's you. Right. We so have to have the skills. how will you handle this? Right. How do you? You. It's exactly right. We have to have those skills. And so we want to make sure that we're doing this. Now, another thing we need to be careful with is we've got to be very careful with praise. Mm. As parents, we're very quick to praise the outcome. We need to stop and instead praise the effort. Mm. We've got to be praising the effort. We know, research shows us that we get confidence from overcoming the adversity, not from being told how great we are. Yeah. So we can walk around all day and tell our kids they're amazing. (laughs) It will do nothing for their esteem in the long run unless we're praising them and helping them overcome adversity. That's where their esteem is going to come from. Right, right. Um, There is a great study that I love that was done. They took about 400 fifth grade students and they gave them some puzzles to do. And when they looked at them, they split them up. And the first group of, of students, they were purely praised on their essentially their outcome, their intelligence. You are very smart is the Mm. message they got. The other set of kids, the other 200 fifth graders, they were praised for the ability that they put forth, their work ethic, for the effort they put forth. After they were done, they gave the kids impossible puzzles, a new set. And when they gave those kids those puzzles, the children who had been praised for being smart did 20% worse Mm. 
the children who were praised on their energy and effort did 30% better wow. than they did the first that's time. That's a huge it's gap. It's a huge gap. So we've got one group that's not just staying the same but dramatically yeah. dropping and another group that didn't just stay the same but saw a huge right. increase. So take a step back and instead of praising the outcome, remember what happens then if the outcome's negative? We have right. n- nothing to say. You're, you're a loser. Right? <laughs> we got nothing. We got nothing. Yeah. And so we've got to focus on that effort because the effort carries into every situation. Well, yeah. So think that through. If you if you only praise your child for hitting the ball and being an athlete, right? Then what happens when he has to finish a test? A that's test. hard, right? Or he strikes out, and, right. and it can be related or not. Yeah. And so he gets back to that test, and it's like, well, this didn't result in a home run. Did I fail? And so we've got to go back to the effort, always about the effort. The other thing we can do with our praise is not just avoid the outcome. We want effort and energy, and then we want to go to skill. But we also want to make sure that they're recognizing that we are very specific. So instead of you're a great athlete, you are great at telling the difference between a ball and a strike and choosing the right, right. one to hit. Mm. Right. The more specific, the better. They can hone in on that. That's something they can duplicate. Mm-hmm. Right. If my parents, you know, growing up are constantly telling me that I'm good and it's a specific thing, I can hold on to that and I can duplicate that yeah. process. If it's vague, it's like, well, good at school. Well, great. Well, how do I how do I mm-hmm. get good at school? I don't I don't know how no, to duplicate right. that. Well, and if your intention, even if your intention is good to keep pointing out how beautiful your daughter is, right. it might be better in the long run for self-worth to point out every other strength, every other right. gift, every other insight, every character she – principle she lives, every character trait she has. Absolutely, manifested. because we're going back again to that effort, right? Even if we look at beauty – and this happens with girls a lot. We run into this. We're constantly saying, you look so cute. Mm-hmm. You're so pretty. Well – that that's great, but that doesn't help yeah. me in everything no. else in life, right? But the fact that you have good hygiene or you take care of yourself or you keep your clothes clean, even those specifics help them moving more, forward right. more than just you're cute or you're and pretty. you're conscientious. You went the extra mile. You get up early. You're disciplined to stay healthy. It's and exactly right, to make time for those power. things. That's cool. So we've got to do that. Another one I love and, again, shrouded by a ton of research that's been going on since I think like 1965, 1968, is the need to make sure that we teach them delayed gratification. We must do this. We must teach them that they can wait for things that they might want. There has to be this delayed gratification. It develops self-control, and we need that throughout our lives. Now, the the studies show us, and one we're probably very familiar with, I believe 1968, researchers went in and they did the study with four-year-old kids where they gave them the marshmallows. You're familiar with this. And the way it went is they had, I think, two or three marshmallows. If they wanted to eat them right away, they could have one marshmallow. If they waited until the proctor came back into the room, they could have all the marshmallows. They didn't know it, but the wait was a 20-minute wait. Now, what we talk about that part of the research a lot, but here's what we don't talk about a lot. These people in the experiment, these kids, have still are still being followed. Mm-hmm. So we've got, what, Longitudinal 50, study of 50-plus right, years. 60 yeah. years on, under our belt. Here's what they're finding, which is the amazing part. The kids who were able to wait went on to attend better colleges, became more adept at coping with frustration and yeah. with stress. Now, on the flip side, the kids who couldn't wait were more likely to become bullies, have drug problems, and have faced those drug problems all the way into adulthood. Mm. Now, really interesting, but this is a longitudinal study where we're so quick to talk about and see all the memes and the videos about those cute little four-year-olds that want the marshmallow or don't. But when we look at that outcome, that is all about learning to delay that gratification. 
disappointment happens, we need to understand how to embrace it and recognize that there is a longitudinal effect to what's going right. on here. Oh, yeah. To what's happening. That's great. So that's a really good one. A couple others we can we can throw in here. There is clearly a need for us to empathize with our children's disappointments. Oh, yeah. We must. Show that we feel. That we feel it. And so when something does go wrong and when something does happen, we need to be very quick to say, man, I remember when, when that happened to me. I felt lousy. That was miserable. Yeah. I remember that. You know, even little things. We have a daughter who who struggles with this a little bit more than our other kids. And, you know, she'll have a play date planned or we're expecting to go somewhere and something happens. And it's very comforting for her when I can say, I remember being in sixth grade and there was this one time I wanted to do that too and I didn't get to. Right. And and it was canceled also. And I can even just see in her eyes, her shoulders drop, the emotions come down where it's like, Oh, she gets this. Mm-hmm. She gets what this feels like. Yeah. And you could even turn it back to her. So, and then, like you're saying, always ask the question. How, do, exactly you, how right. do you feel? And then that'll prime the pump a little bit. Oh, Heather, let's take a break. This is such important stuff. How to help your children uh, deal with disappointment. So much. Managing control, what they mm-hmm. can't control. Validating them. De- helping them delay gratification. Empathizing. More with Heather Johnson. When we come back, stick with us. Helping you find the good in the world. Uh, Heather Johnson joins us, professor here at Brigham Young University, and is walking us through how to help our children deal with a disappointment. She's given us some great ideas so far. Focus on where you can't control versus where you can't. Validate. Uh, always ask them for their advice. Be uh, their guide, not their savior. Be careful what you praise. Great stuff, Heather. What What else do we need to make sure we're doing to not – because we could hinder development with our kids, if if they can't deal with disappointment, right? Because of us, it's exactly right. It's, it's we we will handicap them permanently. We do, we do, and so we can roll that right into another one, which is the need for us to be a really good role model. Mm. Again, if you want to go to society right now, I mean, really, we're role models for our children, and it doesn't matter what you do; they see it all, and they watch it, and they sense it, and they see what's going on. So when we're disappointed, we need to handle it. The right way. We need to use these same skills and make sure that we're handling things correctly because they're watching that. And so you've probably often seen, you know, in a family that that pattern of, uh, I don't know, ways to deal with things, coping skills where, you know, if you get a dad who's constantly yelling when he gets disappointed or things go wrong, then now you've got kids who who take to those same practices. Uh, If you've got moms or, uh, again, husbands, but who sulk or who storm off or who leave, then naturally that's passed down to them when they're dealing with things. So we need to be really good role models. Uh. With this also comes a need to be able to say we make mistakes. And this is important for our children to understand and to hear from us. You know, some, sometimes I forget things. Sometimes we get to the pool and I'm a towel short and I'm sorry. I, I missed I, – excuse me, I messed up and yeah. I missed one. And so whatever it might be, it's really okay to say to them, I, I made a mistake. I forgot that. I'm sorry. This helps them understand that we too recognize we make mistakes. And you know what? Mistakes are okay. Yeah. And mistakes are part of being disappointed. And every once in a while, my mistake causes disappointment for our children, 
right? And, and, and we manage it, right? right? If, if I'm short a towel at the pool, I'm the one who goes without, obviously. Right. But, but for them to hear things or to say, can you come to school to do this today? And it's, I'm sorry, I can't. There's a million other things already that need to be taken care of. These create disappointment. Mm. Help them understand it and manage it, but make sure we're an example first. We really need to do well, that. Well, and two, like it, it's not like I, I can't come today, but I, I could come in a week. I could come in two weeks right. if we know earlier. We can handle My that. My son will always say, why, why don't you come eat with us? Right. <laughs> At school, school, At school. lunch. And actually, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more like don't come eat with us. Just can you right. come drop off food? Right. Subway, I would much rather have Subway today. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But I'm like, you know, I can't today, but let's plan it. Right. Which goes back to where we started, which is let's put the solutions back in their mm-hmm. hands. Put it back in their own little minds to start creating what other options they have. So say, it doesn't work today. What do you think we could do instead? Let them come up with it. Realize that that's not just about disappointment, but that's them looking at a situation, weighing all the avenues, and right. then creating outlet solutions. This is how we handle, with dis- how handle disappointment. They've got to be able to that's do that. That's really good. And lastly, before we move on to when we should step in, when we should save them a little bit, We need to go back to managing their expectations and helping them do that. And one really great way we can do that is we can start talking about exciting things like plans as possibilities instead of guarantees. Oh, there you go. There's a big difference here. And like I said, our our one daughter who deals with this or struggles with this more than our other five kids – We learned very quickly that to say, you know, Friday we're going to the zoo, if that didn't pan out, her ability to process, we've had to work from a young age for her to handle this disappointment. She struggles with it a little more. And so we don't talk about finite things like that. They are not guarantees. There's a possibility Friday we might do this. And as a result, because we treat them as possibilities, it's not the end of the world when it does, right? We we haven't overcommitted. We haven't overpromised. And so – Talk about things as possibilities instead of guarantees. Boy, because they, they love to hold you accountable to what you said. They sure do. And they will come right back at you and they will remind you you've said we're going to the zoo on Friday and you've said it for three weeks and you promised. And I didn't look to see the zoo happens to be closed <laughs> right. because, right. I don't know, the giraffes need the a The animals cage are clean, hibernating. Something. Right. And so there's oftentimes those things. And this is, again, back to managing this disappointment. This is what we can control and we can't. I can't control that. Mm-hmm. It's happened. So let's come up with other let's things. Adapt. Well, we have Friday off. What else could we yeah. do? And what what do we do um, as we wrap up? What do we do to to know when we do need to step in, when we do intervene, when maybe we do come in as a savior. It's exactly right. So any time failing would cause tremendous humiliation, mm. it's a place for us to step in, right? And, and there's a difference. But for example, like if your child's in a school play and they forget their costume – Take it to them. Yeah. Right? That's not when you – Not the moment That's to not teach. when you're like, let's be tough guy here. Nope. You forgot it. You're Sorry, on your own. You're going to have to wear it's, your gym shorts. It's exactly right. Tremendous humiliation. There's, there's really no need for yeah. that. We're their parents. We're there to help them. Right. Step in there. A couple other places. Anytime your child is in danger – obviously step in. Again, really poor time to choose to teach right. this principle, right? So this uh, this is like your child who's a beginning swimmer who wants to jump into the deep end with their friends, yet not when we teach mm-hmm. what yeah. disappointment not, looks who, like. Hey, I told you Sorry, you needed to yeah. practice swimming. <laughs> Sorry you can't swim, buddy. Drowned. So step in. And the last one, uh, which is a new one we kind of add to our, our arsenal, is anytime we see our child being bullied, absolutely step in. Now, they're going to get remarks at school. They're going to yeah. get, your shoes look stupid, or why do you have this, or you're, mm-hmm. we're going to get those. That's just kids not knowing how to treat one another right. um, and expressing themselves. But what we don't want to stand for is if this is repeated and it is physical and it is causing detriment to them, 
obviously we're going to step you gotta in there. you got to do something. Obviously we mm. step in there. So we, we see the difference, right? We're going yeah. to raise them in ways that help them deal with this. And at the same time, we're going to teach them how to be adults who can cope with disappointment. And it takes time. And it, it takes, takes time. a lot of, lot of work, a lot of work. And it takes us being very diligent. Again, anytime you wonder what to do, validate, always validate first and then put it back in their control. That's right. Though, If you can just remember those two things, regardless of everything else today, that'll get you in a really That's good place. That's great advice. Heather Johnson's her name. You can go to her website, familyvolley.com, and uh, find out her latest and greatest. She's quite a resource. We appreciate her being on the show. We'll be back with our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. We're playing the music from Sesame Street uh, to shoot it down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Matthew. Sports time. Why do you think we are playing Sesame Street? Why not? Uh, because Sesame Street's awesome, dude. There's, yeah. You don't, you don't need a reason to play Sesame Street. It's just awesome. Exactly. It's just because it's Sesame Street Day. <laughs> Today. <laughs> are you playing the trumpet? Wow. Jeremy's pretty good at that, huh? That is a good trumpet. <laughs> wow. He keeps going. Man, that one hurt. That one, you <laughs> yeah, probably should, popped a lip on that one. <laughs> it's uh, 1969, November 10th, Sesame Street's first episode. Oh, that's Hi-ho, cool. Kermit the Frog here. <gasps> that would be the Muppets? Holy cow. But that was pretty good. That was really good. So we have Trumpeter. We have Kermit. Robert Ducky, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. the one. Burton Ernie. You make that time so much fun. I think it would be fun if on like uh, Halloween, if you guys dressed up like Bert and Ernie. Ooh, that's we an idea. Kind of look like them. That's an idea. Don't you? <laughs> you already look like them? <laughs> you you, you want to know a legit comparison someone's made? What? To us? Who? Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, no, that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. <laughs> no way. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty good one. <laughs> that is so Shut sad. Up, uh, that was like the epitome of evil growing up in my family. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, that was yes. that was the dark side. Oh my goodness! Don't watch that, Jerob. Yeah, we'll steer away from that and more back towards Sesame Street. Yeah, what were you saying? I don't know. I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> no, but that's One. true. Like, because uh, that was uh, a na- that was a naughty show. Kids shouldn't watch that. It was very funny though. And then Homer Simpson yeah. came in and kind of don't! built the bridge. Mm-hmm. Look at all these sound effects. Mm, you guys yeah. have been holding yeah, back on donut. me. <laughs> donut. Um, what? Uh, hey, there was a game last Four. night. If I'm not, if I'm correct, was yes, there? Yes, there was. There was the second exhibition basketball game for how are, BYU. How are we looking? Well, they won by 47. They, ah, they're okay. They, they go to ball so hard, university, as Brian Logan would say. Ball so hard. It's tough to gauge how good a team is against. An inferior opponent like that, yes. I mean, to that degree. No offense to BYU Hawaii, but their yeah. BYU's offense was better. Yes. Who, but who had the better tan, though? Mm, probably oh, BYU yeah, Hawaii. B- totally. Although it has been sunny in uh, Provo. That's true. It's been great weather, <laughs> but not like the North Shore. 
is uh, do is this the Phenom uh, Lone Peak boys? Are they delivering? Yes. Here's here's the thing. It's not just those three too. They are the core. They're three of the starting five. Yeah. This team is good from BYU. They are very young. We'll see how well they can defend. Those are the only two real questions for me early on. There'll be more questions later. This team is uber talented. I mean, yes. this team is good. It's just how good. They're just young, the and so they will make some mistakes, and some things will happen where you're like, oh, boy. But then they'll do some things that will pull you out of your seat. Like we saw a Dunk of the Year nominee from true freshman Yoli Childs last night. We're going to play that. Really? Coming up. I just blew the roof off the Marriott Center. Like, whoa. whoa. Wow. It was legit. Legit to quit. So um, you guys will then be talking about that on the show, showing yes. the video of the dunk. Mm-hmm. Anything else on the show? So we will each tell you the two things we think that we know after two preseason games about this BYU basketball team. That, that is the premise of today's conversation. We want to know what you think as well. That's the Twitter question that we have sent out to BYU Sports Nation. Plus, it's a loaded guest day as well. Wow. It always is with you guys. The former head coach, Steve Cleveland, is going to join us in studio. Cool. What does he think he knows after those two games? He may know a thing or two more than Jeremy. He's full and I. of wisdom, so yeah. we're very excited. <laughs> Finally, wisdom on the show. I know. It's been a while since we've had wisdom. No, yes. come yes. on. Come on. But wise, you know, you're young, but the reality is you guys do some killer interpretations. We try. Yeah. We try really hard. You really Did you guys see really quickly before I let you go, did you see that uh, Donald Trump made a visit to the White House, his future home? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think um, Mr. and Mrs. Obama are apparently taking them on a home inspection right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do they have a cleaning check at the White House? Yeah, they do. Hey, I'll say hey, this. Uh, you need to clean your room, and if not, you'll be fine. <laughs> I thought that there were a couple of speeches given in the past 24 hours or so that were really good. I just really? hope the action is taken. President Obama Wasn't that great? did a yeah. fantastic job. Yep. He's, holding, thought, he's doing his part to hold the country together. That was super, I mean, as presidential as it gets. I yep. loved that he did that. And I thought uh, President-elect Trump's speech mm-hmm. when he won was was really Heartfelt and good. Totally. Many said out of character. But many are saying his new character. Uh, you don't change that easy. Mm-mm. Talk is cheap. I I also yeah. enjoyed what was said. Now go and do, do it. Here's yeah. the go thing. and send them. Here's the thing. He's a super successful businessman, and this is important to him to not be a failure. That's a huge That's right. calling card I think you're him. right. And so he's wise, and I think he'll surround himself with really good advisors and people that will help him a lot because he doesn't want to go down as a failure. That's like his worst fear. I think he will be better than we think. That, yeah, you really hope so, right? I yeah. thought we had a successful businessman who was a Republican. Wait, yeah. that didn't work out. They didn't want him. That's too bad. They didn't he ran in the wrong election. That's right. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, go go wax on. I know you got to get all buffed up and ready to go. News so for you. Do We're always wax on when we talk to you because we need to be ready for you. That's yes. so good. You're so nice. Have we, a, so we ready. Have a great show. We ready. Have a great show and celebrate Sesame Street Day. One, two, three. Peace out, boys. <laughs> Bye. They can, man, they've got all the voices. The Count. What do they call him? The Count Dracula? The Count. The Count. Just the Count. Man, they're good. They really are good. And you know what? They can talk about any topic. I throw I, every one of these questions are curveballs to them. They don't know they're coming. Hmm. They 
didn't even know it was Sesame Street Day, and yet they broke into every voice of Sesame Street and Muppet characters. Man. <laughs> Amazing. Speaking of not knowing what's coming, you weren't looking at the TV screen, so no. you probably— I've been waiting for Trump to arrive, but apparently he already arrived. They slipped him in the kitchen door or somewhere. Oh, they did. he did arrive. Yeah. I didn't see that. I yeah. did notice the changing of the guard or changing of the Marine, if you will. Hold on. Um, but he looks exactly the same. So if you weren't looking during those 30 seconds, then you, you wouldn't notice. As somebody that's been spending a lot of time with my grandbaby, the changing of anything has a different connotation to me. Right. So when you said the changing of the Marine, I'm like, oh, boy, who's going to diaper the Marine? <sighs> it, it wasn't pretty. No. But apparently, but the neat thing about the Marines, they all look the same because they're all about six two, ripped. They remind me of me back in my day. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I was just thinking of a of a joke I once Funny heard. Okay. A, a joke I once heard about you saying that you were ripped. Okay. Hey, Major League Baseball. You know the Indians and uh, the Cubs in the World Championship, the World Series. They all get T-shirts. They all get hats. They get all this gear, all this paraphernalia, and one team ends up losing. So usually what are you supposed to do with all these T-shirts? They had to be pre-printed. They go to South America, they? should they? go give them to the poor, right? Give them to those in need. Send them to another country. Well, Major League Baseball decides not to do that, and instead they're going to destroy uh, all of this gear. What? I know. They could have sold those for a lot of money. Since 2005, they've been uh, taking them to other countries and, and giving them away basically uh, to a charity, World Vision, I think it's called, that gears and takes the gear down to the countries and these other foreign, uh, these other uh, needy countries. And they're not doing it. Sorry. And that, probably because it ends up being sold back. Maybe. As more valuable. I don't know why. But. That's kind of like if Trump had lost him throwing a fit and not accepting the fact that he lost. Yeah. So it's exactly like that. like that. I wonder if what Trump's going to do with his old hats and what Hillary's going to do with all her old gear. Mm. Third world country. Send it down. Send it down there. Check it out. Or uh, bring him out again in four years. See, you keep thinking she's going to run again. Virginia high school student is called the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show for saving neighbors from a fire. An Alexandria high schooler is being touted as a hero by his neighbors after he did uh, save their lives in the middle of the night. It was just after midnight on a school night. Addison Guyon, a senior at T.C. Williams High School, was still awake in his bedroom working on college applications. He had his window open. It was sort of, uh, he was, he said, I was sort of hearing a cracking across the street, an occasional pop, said Addison. At first, I thought someone had a fire going. It was a fire at the neighbor's house across the street. Addison woke his parents, called 911. With his dad, he ran across the street. At first, Steve Crossett and his wife, Rita, thought it was an intruder, but it turned out instead to be a teenage hero. Crossett said their quick actions helped contain the fire, which was sparked by a charcoal brick um, on their deck. Addison credits his calmness and focus under fire to many skills he picked up as a Boy Scout, and he's soon to be an Eagle Scout. Not only is he a hero, but Addison is a bright young man. He hopes to attend MIT next fall. And that was the college application he was filling out in his room when he discovered the fire. So hopefully, MIT, hopefully you're listening. Uh, heroes, that's all it takes. Just a listening ear, somebody that knows what's going on, paying attention. And then the one that will act on it, do what they can. 
Folks, we all can be heroes. We live in a time right now where we need to look after each other. Let's not let the good from the past 8, 9, 10 years fade away. We can keep all the good and add to it with a, with another president. Um, may not have been the one you wanted, but it's still yours. And all of us need to reach out and be better to uh, take care of each other. little challenge for us. We will uh, be back tomorrow. More ideas, more information to help you make it through this crazy thing called life. Join us again tomorrow. And until then, let's, uh, let's make it a great one. Talk tomorrow.